1: The character and Smallman podcast on one oh one ESPN.
3: Good. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Carricker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. at 7:01. your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers and officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Michelle Smallman. I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us. Good morning, Michelle. How are you doing?
4: Good morning, Randy, and it is a great morning here in St. Louis.
3: How about our Redbirds?
4: How about them? What a performance oh. from Adam Wainwright last night, our guy. Just doing what he's been doing this entire season, going out, pitching another gem for the Cardinals.
3: There are people that have had the genetic makeup to... To pitch at the age of 40 and pitch well. Nolan Ryan, one of those. And nobody ever really accused Nolan Ryan of using performance enhancers. Randy Johnson pitched very well in that era of performance enhancers, but pitched well into his 40s. Roger Clemens, who was highly suspected. In an era in which that's just not part of it, and we know that Adam Wainwright isn't part of that. What he's doing at the age of 40 is absolutely phenomenal.
4: It's, I've, I've almost run out of things to say about how incredible he is and has been this season and last season, and it's just one of those things that it shouldn't blow your mind every time because he's been so consistent. Every time he goes out, he puts the Cardinals in a position to win. But in a game like last night where there's certainly urgency there, it's a big moment. It's versus a uh, team. Adam Wainwright goes out there and has another magnificent performance for the Cardinals. And it was great to see Yadier Molina have a big night. Um, who would have thought, Randy, at Bush Stadium yeah. in 2021, it's Wayneo, it's Yadier, it's Albert Pujols. <laughs>
3: It's amazing that that is happening. After we watched those guys play in 2005 together, 2006 together, they win a world championship. Here we are 15 years later, and those guys are still performing, and we still expect them to do really impressive things.
4: It's incredible, and uh, Adam Wainwright probably won't win the National League Cy Young Award, but my gosh, should he get a ton of votes because... I just, I, there aren't even words for me what he's been able to do at this stage, not only at this stage in his career, because I feel like those mm-hmm. are two separate conversations. What he's been able to do at this stage in his, in his career, and just what a phenomenal pitcher he's been this season. And then you add those two together, and it's a, it's a even better storyline, but just removing his age from the equation, he has been great this year.
3: He's been truly amazing. Right now, he is... and with a 2.98 ERA. That earned run average is 12th in the National League. Only one pitcher in the National League has more wins. That's Julio Urias of the Dodgers. And only one pitcher has more innings pitched than Adam Wainwright. Zach Wheeler of the Phillies has four more innings pitched than Adam Wainwright. And those guys are all doing it at a, a prime age. Now, Max Scherzer is in the hunt. He leads the league in ERA. He's got a bunch of innings pitched. And probably is going to win the Cy Young. And he's 37. But for Adam to do what he's doing at the age of 40 is something that we should all savor and pay attention to and not forget.
4: And rejoice that he's coming back next season.
3: He is going to be back next year. And hopefully the Cardinals will give him a better opportunity to win a world championship next year.
4: Isn't that such a bummer about this year? That Adam Wainwright is doing what he's doing and that the Cardinals likely won't make the playoffs.
3: Yeah. Yeah. He got the start last night, and things weren't great early as the Dodgers scored in the first, but then in the bottom of the first, the Cardinals put one on the board, and Yachty comes up with a runner on. And Molina hits it out to deep left field. And the Cardinals built up a 5 1 lead. Things got tenuous in the ninth. Wayno going eight and a third and leaving a couple of runners on for Giovanni Gallegos, who goes two thirds of an inning to score, uh, to close things out. Dodgers did score a couple, and the Cardinals win it by a score of 5 to 4. And thank goodness they got it because Wayno thought this was a game the Cardinals had to win.
5: Yeah, I thought of today as a must win game. You know, I just, I did. I just felt like we had to have it. Um, we got to get a split from them. In my opinion, um, we just—it was just—it was just a must-win game. You know, we had a couple of really tough losses in Milwaukee, and and uh, I think that just kind of carried over a little bit. It just takes sometimes it—you know—even if you're fighting against it, sometimes it takes a couple of days to get over a very very tough loss, un- unfortunately. And um, you know, we tried not to. We we tried to pump ourselves up and and uh, you know, sending out good messages and all that kind of stuff, but. You know, Max was tough the first game. He was going to be very tough. You know, he's been, he's been uh, lights out since he went over there, but really all season long. So that was a tough one. But yesterday we, we let a couple of chances go by, and, and uh, their bullpen did a great job. But we needed today we needed to win bad. We just, we just did. You know, it was a big game for us, and hopefully we get a little momentum going forward
4: a big game a must win game a game where the Cardinals need to stop the bleeding a game where the Cardinals need to start to get some momentum rolling and Adam Wainwright delivers sound familiar it (laughs) certainly sounds familiar to me Um, but he's absolutely right this was a must win game the Cardinals still three and a half games out in that wild card hunt every game right now is a must win game for the Cardinals but at the end of the game Randy I didn't know if Mike Chill and Mike Maddox were going to leave Wayne Owen when he started to get in a bit of a jam in in the ninth and when they took him out and the camera kept going to him at almost mm-hmm. every pitch. I felt the same anxiety that he did. I felt the same stress that he did. I wanted the Cardinals to win so badly because I did not want Adam Wainwright to not get that game.
3: No, he... Every time he takes the mound and pitches the way he does, he deserves to get the victory. And here's where the Cardinals run into problems, Michelle, is that the Reds lost last night, the Phillies lost last night, but the Padres rolled the Angels. They were up 8-1, to one, hung on for an 8-5 win. So the Padres remain 3.5 ahead of the Cardinals, as you mentioned. So even though the Redbirds do pick up ground on Philadelphia and Cincinnati, they don't pick up any ground in the race. And It seems like every night, one of those teams ahead of the Cardinals is winning. And the Cardinals do have games with the Reds and with the Padres, so they still control their own destiny, at least in terms of the loss column. But there's always going to be a team, it seems like, that is going to win, that's in the wild card race, that's ahead of the Cardinals.
4: They just need to go on a bit of a streak here.
3: That'd be unique for this year.
4: It would be unique for this year, but... We've seen bigger rarities happen with the Cardinals down the stretch, but they just, to your point, need to control their own destiny. All these other teams keep handling business Are good teams. They're in the hunt for a playoff spot. They're, one of those teams is likely going to win every night, and so the Cardinals just need to go out there. Hopefully Adam Wainwright was right and that this does provide a little bit of momentum. They, If they can win this game today and split this series and then go out and handle the Reds, and the Mets before they face the Padres. I mean, they can do it. Do we believe that they can? That's a different story, but they, they do have a lot of their own fate in their hands.
3: On the flip side, a couple of days ago, the Dodgers had tied the Giants atop the NL West. The Giants become the first team this season to sweep a series in Colorado. They win yesterday, coming back in the ninth inning to knock off the Rockies. And the Giants now have a two game lead over the Dodgers. And, In that division, I believe the Giants and the Dodgers are done in terms of playing each other. So the Dodgers are going to have to get some help now because the Giants, I I thought the Giants would go away. They aren't going away.
4: I think most people assumed that it was maybe a a burst of great play and that they might fade at some point, but they mm-hmm. have not. They ha- they're they the biggest surprise of the season for me.
3: They are, and they've got three at Chicago coming up now. Then they get the Padres at home for four. Go Giants. Then they get Atlanta <laughs> at home for three. Then they go to San Diego for three. Then they have to go back to Colorado for three more, the Giants do, before wrapping up with series at home against Arizona and San Diego. Jeez. So the Dodgers better be in pretty good shape in those in that last week, in those last six games, because the Giants are not going to lose more than they win against Arizona and San Diego at home.
4: So after today, it's go Dodgers.
3: Yeah, it is. Emily,
4: would you like the Dodgers remaining schedule?
3: Sure.
2: Um, They play
3: here today. They go
2: this. Yes, they have. (laughs) they, They play here today. This weekend, they are at home against San Diego, then at home against Arizona. They have three games there. Uh, they go to the Reds for three games, the Rockies for three games, the D-backs for three games, back home to end the month for uh, a three-game series against the Padres, and then a three-game set in uh, October against the Brewers.
3: Oh, wow. And the those teams both could be battling for the home field in the playoffs. Dodgers still might be battling for, well, at that point, I don't know if they'd be battling for the top spot in the wild card or not. They're going to if they aren't the division champions, they'll be the home team for the wild card.
2: Yeah. Brewers' magic number is 10, by the way.
3: This is really remarkable. And the Giants have the best record in baseball. Yesterday, baseball inducted four new Hall of Famers including former Cardinal Ted Simmons. And Ted Simmons is, as we all know, a smart guy, Mm -hmm. thoughtful guy. Mm -hmm. And for those of us that are kind of tired of what baseball is right now, Ted Simmons says, hey, there's good news on the horizon.
6: For those of you who are concerned that our game has changed, it has. Strikeout, walk, homers today is pretty much what you get. But our game can change back. And eventually, another George Brett will surface. He'll hit 360. He'll homer 40 times. He'll drive in 160 runs. He'll strike out 75 times. He'll walk 100 times. His on-base percentage will be 420. Our game is fluid. Hitters will begin to beat the defensive shifts, and the pendulum will swing back. Game evolves. It's just a matter of time.
3: And then everybody clapped because that's what they want.
4: Yeah. I was going <laughs> to say, uh, I appreciate those words. And can that happen sooner rather than later? Yeah, me too. It'd be great.
3: Yep. Larry Walker with a great speech. The other, other former Cardinal that went in yesterday, Derek Jeter, honored by the Hall of Fame with his induction and former Union Chief Marvin Miller, who was represented by Donald Fear, his successor, and it really was a great day in Cooperstown. All right, we're off and running here on 101 ESPN. Coming up tomorrow, a great honor for Jay Delsing, our friend and host of Golf with Jay Delsing here on 101 ESPN. We'll join us to talk about it next on Carriker and Smallman.
1: We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.
3: get a fun note yesterday, and it's a fitting note, and it's great to see. Pairings released yesterday for the Ascension Charity Classic at Norwood Hills Country Club, and the official tournament starts tomorrow. You can go and watch Pro-Am activity today. Just go to AscensionCharityClassic.com and get your information and get out there, but when pairings were released, Jay Delsing was paired with Corey Pavin and Steve Pate, his college teammates, and tomorrow Jay Delsing, our Jay Delsing, is going to hit the first shot in Ascension Charity Classic History at 810 a.m. And Jay is with us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Of course, you can hear him Sunday mornings here on 101 ESPN. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? Good morning. How are you guys doing this morning? Everything's great. What What an honor. And how did you react when you heard that news? Oh, my gosh.
7: This whole thing has been just a dream. You know, just a, a dream come true. And, and, and hitting the, the first shot of the inaugural event. Man, I hope I hit this ball, Randy. I'm going to be eight minutes. Start. I'm just going to get it in the air somewhere. You know, it's, uh, it's really, really great. It's really fun. And then to be able to play with Steve and Corey, I've got my, my great dear friend, Don Perlis, who also played on that team with us at UCLA Caddying for me. So it's an old home week for sure.
4: Well, Jay, um, how's your golf? I'm sure you've been practicing leading up to this. Do you feel ready to go? How's the swing feeling?
7: It feels pretty good, Michelle. I've I played a lot. We're, we're headed to Norwood right now to play another Pro-Am, so we played a Pro-Am on Tuesday, and then we played a Pro-Am yesterday. But uh, it feels really, really good. I played well yesterday, hit a lot of good shots, had a great group. Uh, the weather is perfect. I mean, you guys, this thing, I'm just trying to – I mean, if, if there was some way that the stars could align and I could hoist this trophy on Sunday, this, this couldn't be any better.
3: No, it's unbelievable what is happening because it really is. You talk about the stars aligning, and you told us last week that you wanted to play with Steve Pate, and that's pretty cool. You guys will have a lot of fun, will not you?
7: Yeah, we will. We um, he's been he's been calling me this week, and and um, he's just such a unique guy. We had him on the show last week or a week or so or ago, and his take on things and and some of the things that have happened to him in life are just fitting for the, the personality he has. this guy gets so intense and get, get cold, so lost in in almost every moment that you know he doesn't know what's going on around him or who's watching and it's it's really really fun so we, we can we could tell some stories on each other while we're playing and have some laughs and, and hopefully play some good golf too
4: jay have you been able to get up to norwood yet and see what the setup looks like because randy and i've seen some photos of it and fans are in for a real treat it looks absolutely beautiful
7: Oh, Michelle, a hundred percent. I've been there all week. I'm, I'm headed there right now. I get to play this beautiful golf, West golf course. Again, Ascension has not missed anything. I mean, you guys, they, they, uh, made it happen for me yesterday. I got to interview the great Jack Nicklaus mm. on my show on Sunday. So, We're going to be playing on Sunday, and and Jack's going to be airing on 101 ESPN and the Golf with Jay Delson show. And I mean, it's it's just ridiculous how great this thing has come together, and I'm just so fortunate and so grateful.
4: Well, Jay, can you give us a, a sneak peek of the interview? You don't have to reveal all of it, but was there one question in particular that you were really excited to ask him?
7: Oh, you guys, I I said to him, you know, did he he want to take a shot back? Did he ever want a mulligan? Did he ever want, and he said, I've never heard it. He did say a lot of really cool things, but he said, yeah, I want to take two shots back. And I said, oh, my gosh, two? What what are they? And he goes, Tom Watson's chip in on number 17 at Pebble Peach and Lee Trevino's chip in in the 19, I think it was 78 British Open, because both of those damn jobs cost me a major. And I thought, what a great answer. You know, it was really nothing that he did. It was what someone else did to him.
3: That's amazing. And he, is it 19? or 21, he's got more runners up in majors than anybody else, too, in addition to his 18 championships.
7: Right, Randy, which, I mean, if you start thinking about that, when I was – we didn't talk a whole lot about that in the interview, but when you look at his record, he's won the career Grand Slam three times. You know, there's only five people that have done it once. He's done it three times, and his runner-up finishes and his top five finishes are just – Unbelievable. But what's interesting, and we didn't get time to talk about it, if Tiger did not have that where he fell into the abyss, all these records might all be Tiger's. It's yeah. crazy to yeah. think of how good these two men were.
3: Yeah, uh, remarkable. And by the way, it was 19 runners-up. So think about that, 18 championships and 19 runners-up. And I totally get wanting to take those two shots back because all of a sudden you're, you're talking about 20 major championships if you're Jack.
7: And it's and One of the things that was so funny and, and interesting, you guys, a couple of weeks ago when we were doing the luncheon at Norwood, Jack and Tom were doing a little Q&A and just – a, a fun little program up on, on the stage, and and Tom Watson was pretty much um, carrying the conversation, you know, because he kept bringing up the 1977. Uh, I think they call it the Duel in the Sun at Turnberry, where he birdied 18 to beat Jack. Uh, Jack birdied 18 also and, and beat him by a shot. And as they were reminiscing about that, and Tom was giving Jack the needle, and Jack just took it beautifully. Tom said, "Now let's fast forward over to 1982." when I won the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach. And Jack said, whoa, 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 wait a second. Why do we have to go from 1977 to 1982? I think I did some really nice things. In and then Tom said, well, I didn't, so let's just go to 82.
4: <laughs> That's awesome, Jay. Well, you mentioned Tiger Woods, and I saw this morning that Steve Stricker was being interviewed about the Ryder Cup, and he said that he spoke to Tiger Woods and that Tiger is rehabbing. That's ongoing. He's trying to get better and he's trying to play golf again. But he said he's progressing. He's doing well and things are moving in the right direction. Tiger Woods has overcome a lot. We saw him come back and win the Masters, which is one of the most remarkable things that people have seen in sports. But if he is able to overcome this injury and once again, come back and play golf. I mean, I I don't put it past him because it's Tiger Woods, but that just seems like it would be another huge chapter of his story.
7: Oh my gosh, Michelle! You couldn't write anything. I mean, this is a—I mean, nearly tragic accident that happened to him. There's tragedy wrapped all around. You know the fact that it might end his career, and if when he comes back, he will come back. You guys, in my opinion, I'm—I'm not sure about the level of golf, but I don't put anything past him. It would be the most incredible way to end uh, a phenomenal career, and if he could win again. Which I know is a gigantic ass, but if he could win again, um, that would give him the all time uh, win total on the PGA Tour because right now he's tied at 82 with Sam Sneed. So there's a, and I can promise you that's getting him out of bed in the morning. (laughs) I know this guy, and he's incredible.
3: Hey, Jay, before we let you go, you grew up a North County guy, and that area just northeast of Norwood Hills Country Club, they've had some tough times over the last decade or so. From that perspective, what does the Ascension Charity Classic mean to you when you look at your life and what this tournament can do for an area pretty close to where you grew up?
7: Well, Randy, that's the really emotional part for me, because this area is it's taken hits. It's uh, there've been, you know, the Michael Brown thing happened probably no, no more than a mile from Norwood. And this is the area that I spent so much of my youth driving back and forth from my little house in Glasgow village to Norwood. And to, to have this money be directed there is, Oh man, it's so important. I mean, our city, we're, we are all connected. We're only as good as, you know, our weakest link. And we, we need to get this stuff handled and we need, to take um, to take care of situations that need to be taken care of, and I'm I'm really hoping that this um, this event and this money that we're raising will help develop some leadership up here in North County, and and so that we can get the the help in the hands of the people that can really, really make a difference for the families that are struggling up here.
3: Well said. And we are so thrilled for you that you're going to be taking the first shot in the history of the tournament tomorrow morning at 810, and we advise people to get out there. Get your tickets at ascensioncharityclassic.com. By the way, in the pro-ams so far that you've played in, have you played with that guy who says, oh, yeah, I, I could have played on the tour, or at least he acts like he could have played on the tour. Have You, you don't have to name any names. <laughs>
7: No, I didn't. Yesterday, on Tuesday, I played with four delightful women from the Emerson Corporation. You know, they're the presenting sponsor. The girls were great. They they were so conscientious. They played so fast. I was like, girl, slow down. We're, you know, we got a couple of holes open. I could barely keep up with you. And then yesterday, I played with three just great guys. It, it was a terrific day, and everybody was nervous as hell. The balls were flying every direction. We had a blast.
3: Well, have fun today, too. Jay, thanks for the time, and have a great tournament. We'll see you out there. Yep, and hide behind the tree, guys. Will do. All right, take care. That's the great Jay Delsing joining us on 101 ESPN.
4: What a great final question from you, Randy, because I'm sure there's so many people that will get in that position and be like, yeah, if only I didn't have that knee problem in college. I I could have played on the tour."
3: And some people, the, the ones that are really good won't tell you. They'll they'll be in a pro am and they'll say yeah I'm okay and then they'll just shoot lights out right so it's it's the people like me that say yeah I'm I'm really good but I'm not I'm terrible
4: you're not terrible well
3: I don't know hey <laughs> uh, later on in the show we're going to be giving away Chris Stapleton tickets we are Stapes is one of our guys uh, Randy big, loves Stapes oh Stapes is one of my, one of my all time favorites yeah <laughs> yeah he he calls me Carac and I call him Stapes anyway we're going to have a phrase that pays today. And it's going to be three words. You have to collect one word in the 7 o'clock hour, one word in the 8 o'clock hour, and one word in the 9 o'clock hour. And then at 9.30, we're going to give away these tickets for the Chris Stapleton concert. Michelle, what is our first word of the phrase that pays?
4: You want to give the sounder, Randy? Because people need to listen for the sounder. we got to find... Thank you. Now it feels official. Okay, the (laughs) first word... And the phrase that pays for Chris Stapleton tickets. And these were tough tickets to get. Mm -hmm. And they're going for hundreds of dollars. So we could get you tickets for free. The first word is whiskey.
3: Whiskey. Whiskey. Okay, keep that in mind. And listen throughout the morning for the phrase that pays on 101 ESPN. Coming up, Greg Amzinger hosted the MLB uh Hall of Fame ceremony yesterday on MLB Network. And we're gonna join we're gonna be joined by Greg next on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.
8: One, two, three, four.
3: Here yeah. Smallman on 101 ESPN. We are awaiting connection with the uh, one and only Greg Amsinger, lead anchor for MLB network. He was the host yesterday for the baseball hall of fame induction ceremony at Cooperstown and Michelle, first of all, it was very well attended for a Wednesday afternoon. And I don't think that they could have had three better speakers at this time than they had with Ted Simmons, Larry Walker and Derek Jeter. Plus Don fear speaking for Marvin Miller. And he was very eloquent and did a great job too.
4: Absolutely. Um, I'm so happy for Ted Simmons, Larry Walker, and, of course, the captain, Derek Jeter, but the other two with the St. Louis Cardinals ties. Um, I thought that it was interesting to see that Derek Jeter, in his speech, and we're going to talk about this a little bit later, though, called out the one writer that didn't vote for him. <laughs> <laughs> because it, just, it proves that even in your greatest moments, a lot of these guys still have chips on their shoulder that fuel them.
3: Yeah, and there will definitely be guys that— are really, really good. I mean, we've got some players now. Uh, How can you, when Albert Pujols is eligible for the Hall of Fame, how can you think that Albert Pujols doesn't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame and as early as possible?
4: I, I don't understand that. I can't understand the person that would not vote for Derek Jeter. I don't know what the possible thought process there could be, but... There probably will be someone, again, that does not vote for Albert and because they don't think that it should be unanimous because someone has a skewed way of thinking. Mm-hmm. But there, there's no argument that you can come up with against Albert Pujols, just like there's right. no argument that you can come up with against Derek Jeter.
3: And that sort of memory, like Michael Jordan's Hall of Fame speech, right. are what makes those guys what they are. Tom Brady will talk about being a sixth round pick when he goes into the Hall of Fame. There's... I don't see anything wrong with players. Isaac calling out the guy who called him and said, hey, nobody thinks that you're going to be an NFL player. How do you like me now? Yeah, right. Right. That's part of what makes those guys great, isn't it? Is that that edge that every little thing that somebody does or says negatively is a slight.
4: Look at Aaron Rodgers. He's probably yeah. the king of that. But a lot of the great ones have that in their DNA. They need a reason uh, to motivate them. And when you're as great as a Tom Brady or a Derek Jeter or an Aaron Rodgers, I'm sure in your daily life, you don't have any dissent. You you likely don't right. have any coaches or teammates or media people or anyone around you really down you, but you have to reach into the archives, or you have to maybe. I know that a lot of athletes go to Twitter, and they will read terrible things that people tweet at them, and use that for fire. Whatever you need to do to find that edge or that motivating factor, the great ones are always able to do it. I mean, we watched The Last Dance. Michael Jordan could make, could make a slight out of anything. No,
3: and what are we seeing now with Adam Wainwright? Right? Yes,
4: absolutely. Yeah.
3: Those times that over the course of years, and he admits it now, he said, yeah, I I was done, but people said things about Adam Wainwright's career being done, and he did something about it. Meanwhile, among the Hall of Famers yesterday, Ted Simmons was the first to speak, and it took him 33 years, Michelle, after his initial eligibility, and not staying on the ballot. He was knocked off the ballot uh, the first time because he didn't get to 5%. Talked about that 33-year wait.
6: Good afternoon. I would like to thank the members of the Modern Baseball Era Committee for this great honor. Congratulations to all the other inductees. Thank you, Jane Forbes Clark, the National Baseball Hall of Fame, for creating this special experience for everyone today. As a youngster in Detroit, Michigan, I was a Tyler fan. I grew up idolizing Norm Cash, Rocky Colavito, Frank Larry, and Bill Free. It was in that era that I discovered my first hero, Al Kaline. He had no idea how much he impacted my life or what a role model he became for me. In my youth, Kaline was my hero. As I stand before you as a man, he remains my hero today. There are many roads to Cooperstown. One look at this very special group behind me makes that clear. For some, it comes quickly. And for others, it takes a little time. For those like myself, the path is long. And even though my path fell on the longer side, I would not change a thing.
4: So we know that Ted Simmons is a renaissance man in a lot of ways. He is a brilliant baseball mind. We know that he's really into art. He actually, a lot of the pieces he collected are at the St. Louis Art Museum right now. Fun mm-hmm. fact, if you're a baseball fan and into art. Um, is he also uh, an orator or does he also narrate audiobooks? Because, wow, is he an incredibly impactful speaker.
3: He is. And there's a, a little Morgan Freeman cadence <laughs> there, isn't there, in his speech?
4: And the way his voice kind of gravels off at the yeah. end, it is. This yeah. is a little Morgan Freeman-esque. Maybe not as deep, but a little James Earl Jones, too. Mm-hmm. He could narrate the intro to, the, to a movie.
3: He could. He's, he
4: should do that.
3: He sounds great, and it was a very eloquent and well-done speech. Meanwhile, Larry Walker started his career with the Montreal Expos, then went to the Rockies before finally making it to the World Series as a member of the Cardinals.
0: I always be grateful that the Montreal Expos took a chance on me and gave me an opportunity to play baseball professionally. To all the Expo fans and people of Montreal, it was a great honor to put on the Expo uniform and represent my home country. To the fans hoping for their team to return to Montreal, I join you in hoping before long that Major League Baseball returns to your beautiful city. I feel privileged that I'm here right now in Cooperstown representing the Rockies franchise and their fans. I thank the Montfort and McMorris families for bringing me to Denver, and the GM at the time, Bob Gebhardt, for ironing out all the details. I had 10 great years wearing the CR on my cap, perhaps none better than the first, 1995, when we won the first wild card. What an incredible way to be introduced to the fans of the Rockies. I thank the Rockies fans for always showing your support, and I hope real soon that that ticker tape parade comes rolling down Blake Street. And finally, the St. Louis Cardinals, I, I only spent a little over a year in your uniform, but you made me feel like it was many, many more. It was a thrill every time I wore the birds on the bat jersey and every time I took the field in front of that sea of red. Thank you, Cardinal Nation, for welcoming me into your family.
3: Well, first of all, don't count on that. World Series Parade down Blake Street anytime soon. Oh, man. <laughs> but it's cool that a guy that was here for a year and a half feels like this was home.
4: And talked about the sea of red welcoming yeah. him at the games. Hopefully, and
3: now it's red seats, but still.
4: Still, still a see, sea of red. Still a sea of red. Still airport. red. Yeah. But we need to get back to that. Right. We right. we need to get back. Well, I don't know how we do that as as a community, but I miss that, too. And that's the reason that people love to play in St. Louis mm-hmm. is exactly what Larry Walker said. I wasn't even here that long and it was that impactful and memorable for me. And you guys welcomed me in.
3: And that was the perfect convergence, Michelle, because th- this team that the Cardinals have right now is far from great. And that may have been the best Cardinal team that was Let's see, 14 years ago, oh, four, no, 17 years ago. And people wanted to come and play before the fans and with Albert Pujols. Mm -hmm. You had Scott Rowland turning down $140 million from the Phillies so that he could come here. And he signed a $90 million contract with the Cardinals. You had Larry Walker giving up his no trade. He, He wouldn't give up his no trade to go to the Texas Rangers, gave up his no trade to come to the St. Louis Cardinals. You had Jim Edmonds not going into free agency, staying here for a lot less money that he could than he could have gotten on the open market. You had Edgar Renteria here for the long term. You had a really, and of course, the the pitching was brilliantly overseen by Dave Duncan. There was so much that went into that being great, and people wanting to be here. And obviously, Nolan Arenado. Hopefully, that trend is back. He wanted to be here. Goldie wanted to be here. And the Cardinals just need a few more guys to turn this into a superstar-laden club that not only will battle for a wild-card spot, but has an opportunity when you go into a season to be a World Series contender.
4: I I think that's it World Series contender that's the key phrase right there because in the offseason when the Cardinals acquired Nolan Arenado this city was at a fever pitch Mm -hmm. people were so amped up that they finally went out and made a big move and acquired the big fish the white whale right that's the guy we've been talking about for so many years and to think that we're not even in a full season of Nolan Arenado and that's not even enough to draw people to the ballpark it just shows you what the standards are in this town and that if they don't don't believe their team is a world series contender they're going to use their money elsewhere they're they're going to spend their finances in a different avenue
3: yeah there's no doubt about it and i am a fan of cardinal nation and i'm a fan of the cardinals but one thing that has been proven here and especially with the fact that they did have a big crowd to see albert the other day is that while it's referred to by many as the best baseball town in America. It's the best winning baseball town in America. I think that qualifier has to be placed in into the context of Cardinal Nation now.
4: It is very jarring for me. We have all these flat screen TVs up in our studio and one of them is always locked into MLB Network and when mm-hmm. they go th- around the horn and uh, show the highlights for different games, it's always very surprising to me to see a packed Wrigley Field. Here's a, a team and a franchise that mm-hmm. traded away all their stars. They They dismantled and had their people's favorite players multiple of of their team's favorite players go elsewhere and people are still showing up in chicago
3: so maybe they're the best baseball town in america
4: Maybe they just know that winter is coming and they're trying to, <laughs> to do something fun while they can. I don't know. But I can you imagine if that same scenario went down in St. Louis, there would be no one at the ballpark. No, no. You're no right. No one.
3: That's Michelle. I'm Randy. And hopefully we'll be able to reconnect with Greg Amzinger coming up next. So get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Take it or leave it coming your way on 101 ESPN.
1: We are right back to the character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs>
3: It's time for Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN. We did connect with Greg Amsinger. He'll join us here in about 10 minutes here on 101 ESPN. But get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Michelle, a lot of discussion on the NFL shows, whether it be on Fox or ESPN or even NFL Network, about the possibility of the Buccaneers or the Chiefs going undefeated. One team in the history of the league in more than 100 years has gone unbeaten unde- and untied. That was the 72 Dolphins. Uh, take it or leave it, that's a stupid discussion to have before a season starts.
4: I'm going to leave it um, because when are you going to have it if it's not right before the season starts?
3: When somebody gets to 10-0, and 11-0, 12-0?
4: Yeah, maybe, but... At the beginning of the season, that's when we make our sweeping prediction. We're talking about who's going to win the Super Bowl before the season. So why not talk about another potential road to
3: to victory? Because a team wins a Super Bowl every year. One team out of all of the franchises in 103 years of NFL football, one team. And that was in a 14-game regular season schedule has gone unbeaten and untied.
4: Yeah, but that's what we do as sports fans—is have those ridiculous combos. That
3: is a ridiculous conversation.
4: And it's 24-hour sports—you got, they got a lot of time to fill. Why not talk
3: about Justin Fields and Andy Dalton then?
4: I think that that's being covered probably <laughs> as we speak. And then we'll be covered again in another five minutes and then in another five minutes. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of the NFL, Randy, Tom Brady, the Buccaneers quarterback, for the one person out there who might not know who Tom Brady is, he's going to start his NFL record 300th regular season game tonight. Take it or leave it. He gets past 350 in his career.
3: I am going to leave that. That would
4: be three more seasons, 17 games. Yeah, and,
3: 17. So I'd
4: put him I, at 351 if he plays three more seasons.
3: I'm going to leave it.
4: I'm going to leave it, too. But I could definitely see him playing this year and one more year.
3: I could definitely see that, too.
4: And I don't know how big that drop off is, but I, I just am not necessarily counting him out. I don't even think it's a ridiculous question to ask, because until we see a drop off, I'm just going to assume he's going to keep playing.
3: And that record will not be broken. Ever. All right, Michelle, what do you have on the text? Or uh, Emily, rather. What do you have on the text line for us?
4: From the
2: 314, take it or leave it. There will be an NFL team that will lose 14 or more games this season.
4: 14 or so more.
3: 3 and 14.
4: Lions?
3: Lions or Texans. I will take that. Yeah. Lions have a better chance in their division.
4: I agree. Yeah, the tech, the Texans could be but, pretty brutal
3: yeah so yeah, i would I'll say take those, that yeah, i'll take that I, I think that's a good call
2: off of that from these 636 take it or leave it the texans are the first team ever to hit the mythical 0-17 leave it i'm gonna leave that too
4: it's it's hard to lose every yeah. game
3: And but they did hire a questionable head coach the the one thing they have two things going for them number one Lovey Smith is even though he's not a great head coach anymore, he is still a defensive coordinator that can develop a game plan to beat you on any given Sunday. And Tyrod Taylor has actually been a pretty good NFL quarterback. Mm-hmm. And they do have a decent offensive line. They have one of the Laramie Tunsell is one of the two or three best left tackles. They have a good center. They they've got some elements. Brandon Cooks is still a pretty good receiver. They'll win a game. They played Jacksonville twice.
4: They'll win one of those.
3: Yeah. In fact, in the opener, they played Jacksonville. They might win their opener.
2: From the 618, take it or leave it, Urban Meyer doesn't
4: make it through the
3: year. Leave it.
4: Oh, leave it. I think, what is the, what is the leash normally about three years? Right. I think even if he doesn't have success in three years, he's going to get a far longer leash than that.
3: He is in charge. Big time. They've turned things over power-wise to him in that organization.
4: From the 314, take it or leave it,
2: Adam Wainwright finishes in the top three in NL Cy Young voting.
4: Scherzer, Bueller.
3: I, I could Wheeler? see Zach Wheeler. Wheeler, yeah.
4: Man, I I want him to win it so badly. I know it's not going to happen, but I just not only do I want him to win one because he's had such an incredible career, but I just I want there to be some sort of reward for this season for him because it's not likely going to be the postseason, and. I just think he deserves all the praise in the world, and I would like him to get some sort of hardware for it, and I know it won't happen. I'm going to leave it top three, but I'll take it top five.
3: And I'm going to go top 10. I think one of the problems that he runs into is that he's pitching for a team that really is kind of nondescript this year. People are thinking about the Dodgers. They're thinking about the Phillies. They, they actually are. And Zach Wheeler has been far and away the, the Phillies' bell cow in their rotation, but you've got Three guys on the Dodgers. You've got Orias, you've got oh, Bueller, and right. you've got uh, Scherzer.
4: Dang, they are so
2: stacked.
3: Yeah, they're really good. Dang
2: it. You want one more quick one? Yeah. From the 217 Take It or Leave It, dogs are better pets than cats. Oh, take it, duh.
3: I've never had a cat before, but I totally take it. <laughs>
4: I am not a cat person. Now I'm a big cat person. If I go to a zoo, love the lions. We're leos, so we naturally mm-hmm, right. love lions. Tigers also cool. Pumas, cheetahs, mm-hmm. black panthers, all jaguars—beautiful animals. If I come to your house and you have a cat, ugh, really? I am not a cat person. Usually, they, cats they're hide. Just, they're so shady, Randy. They—they they come. You come in. They side-eye you. Then they like. Move around the house and you don't yep. know where they are The next thing you know, oh my gosh, it's on your leg It's creeping up on your leg Right. Whereas the yep. dog, you open the door, the dog comes to greet you You pet the dog, the dog is Smiling, the tongue is out So, Rubbing my- its belly, it's, it's great
3: My dog's moose best friend was our mailman who just retired, and moose kind of misses him, so uh, we're going to introduce him to the new mailman here soon, because the new mailman likes dogs, too. That's cool. So moose would wait at the window for the mail to come, and then then when there would be a package delivery, Moose would get so happy and so excited. That our mailman Was coming up to the door
4: And shout out to your mailman On his retirement
3: Oh yeah Congratulations to him He's doing great
4: Also by the way Cats They go to the bathroom Inside your house
3: Yeah that's kind of weird
4: I will never understand Why people are like Oh I love my cat it, There's a box In your dining room Where it goes to the bathroom And it just sits there Yeah
3: And try throwing a frisbee To your cat
4: That's right No I just I
3: Don't hate them But
4: Animal lovers in general mm, I'm I'm glad yeah, you have yeah. cats But personally myself I could never vibe with a cat
3: that's Michelle. I'm Randy. And that is Take It or Leave It. Thanks, Emily. Thank you. Coming up next, we're going to talk to Greg Amzinger, MLB Network on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the
3: character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Let's head to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. And it was a long day for Greg Amzinger and a long night. Home in the pouring rain and got home late, but is kind enough to join us here on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN. You didn't have to do this. We appreciate going to the trouble, though. How you doing? Uh, my dog gave my homework, Randy.
9: <laughs> I'm so sorry. I am late for class. I hate when I – it reminds me of my days at Lindenwood. I was late to every class. It's awful. I try not to be like that anymore now that I'm a professional. But I will say um, – I. I would be sad if I missed this because I look forward to chatting with you guys every week.
4: Well, Greg, we look forward to it, too. And it's OK that you're late, because from what I've learned about Randy, he didn't even go to class. So <laughs> late is better than missing it.
9: <laughs> so the legend of Randy character like everyone knew he was the superstar radio guy. This is what I heard. And he was treated like Larry Bird at Indiana State. Like he showed up first day, got the syllabus, showed up for the midterm and the final. That was it.
3: I did show up for those. So I, I'll, I'll take credit. It for that. Hey, yesterday was so cool. And let's start with the St. Louis Cardinal Ted Simmons, because I thought he really hit the hit the tones well with his speech. And Michelle and I were talking and listening to a portion of his speech here. What a great public speaker.
9: Uh, I I was captivated. I was sitting there watching this man outperform Clint Eastwood. Like, I don't think Clint Eastwood could play Ted Simmons in a movie of Ted Simmons when Ted Simmons was giving his Hall of fame speech. It wouldn't be as good. He had so much power up on that stage. I thought my friend Tom Verducci said it best. His speech was an ode to baseball. It was bigger than just himself. It was really like reminding people Everything comes back. The pendulum will swing back. There will be baseball players who hit the ball away from the ship. I thought that was just a beautiful thing to say because there are so many baseball fans that are sitting in that crowd. If you made the trek to Cooperstown, you are a baseball loyalist, and you're going to love that sport for the rest of your life, and you probably loved it for decades. And you might wonder where the game is now compared to where it was when you fell in love with it. I thought what Ted Simmons did was powerful and needed and one of the best performances. And honestly, I've been doing this since 2009, going to induction weekend uh, in Cooperstown. It was one of the most beautifully delivered speeches I've ever seen.
4: Well, outside of that, Greg, what was your favorite moment from the festivities and the coverage yesterday? Uh,
9: well, when Donald Fear said, uh, let me remind you why, why we're here today. And the crowd started chanting,
7: Derek Cheater. <laughs> 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 Donald Fear Donald used
9: to be the head of the Players Association. And obviously he worked under uh, the late Marvin Miller. So he was speaking about uh, Marvin Miller. Uh, who honestly did not want to get into the Hall of Fame. Towards the end of his life, he told his family, if I do get in, don't go. And they didn't go. So you know, Donald fear is a negotiator and he has patience and he can talk for a long time. He's kind of the marathon man that way and kind of wear his opponent down with words. And in, in, in a way he accidentally did that. <laughs> and Donald fear had the longest speech uh, of anybody and wherever was waiting. And the thing is, we were looking at the radar because the rain was coming and it was coming around the five o'clock hour. And here it starts drizzling. They were like, Derek Jeter is the finale. He's the main event. Let's get to Derek Jeter, wrap it up down. Let's go. <laughs> and here all the fans go, Derek Jeter. That, that made me laugh a lot.
3: And the, the Derek Jeter speech was quintessential Jeter, wasn't it? That was just who he is, who he was throughout his career.
9: Rainey, I got to tell you, you know, I've interviewed Derek many times in my career, and I always sat there wondering myself. I know he's wildly popular, and and I I knew he was a pretty good student in high school. His dad was a college professor. What made Derek Jeter qualified to be a CEO of a Major League Baseball team? Like, why is he qualified? He never went to college. I I, I just, I didn't get it. Right? I, I didn't get it. And then I watched that speech, and I was like. Oh, I get it. Uh, now I get it. Everything he did was completely in control. He he never submitted his speech. He was the only Hall of Famer to not submit his speech uh to the Hall of Fame, which they want everyone to do. He used bullet points and you could just see his command. He was in complete control of that stage. Uh he it was effortless the way he went in and out of all of his topics. I I, I looked at Harold and I go, man, I can't take my eyes off this guy for, for years, for 20 years, he was the big fish in media. He was, if you could get a Derek Jeter interview, there wasn't a bigger interview in baseball and he mastered the 15 to 20 second Mm soundbite. So, so you never got more than that. He never answered anything extra to your, your question. It was literally the bare bones and you always wanted more. And to see him get up there and talk for 15 to 20 minutes, giving you everything he's got, I couldn't take my eyes off of it. He was so smooth, so in control. I looked at Harold and I go, in a world of followers, that word is different now than it was 20 years ago. In a world world of followers, my goodness, is it addictive to look at a true leader? Like that to me – he is a leader. We Everyone used the word champion, but it's a, it's a team sport. I get it. But a true leader. And I love what Tom Verducci said. He's the leading man. He is baseball's leading man. And he reminded us all again why he is yesterday.
4: Another guy that I put in that leader category, Greg, is certainly Adam Wainwright, who had another masterful performance for the Cardinals yesterday. Pitches into the ninth, allows seven hits, strikes out four, no walks. He's 8-1 and in his last nine starts. And even though he's not going to win the National League Cy Young Award, he's certainly in that conversation.
9: You know, and and not only that, but I brought this up yesterday on the set covering the Hall of Fame. It was something about Hall of Famers. They, They age well. You know, Larry Walker's last two years, I know they weren't full seasons in St. Louis, but he aged well, man. I mean, his OPS is ridiculous, on base over 360. I mean, he was a really good player at the age of 38. There's something about veterans who age well and they're connected to the Hall of Fame. If he could do this, I know this is outlandish, but if Adam Wainwright could do this two more years, if he enjoys pitching and he wants to compete and say next year's not his last year, I don't think one more year like this would change the Hall of Fame voters' minds. But if he ended his career with two similar seasons, which I know is a very difficult thing to do, he could Mike Messina his way into the Hall of Fame. Mike Messina famously won 20 games for the Yankees and hung it up. Adam Right? I'm just telling you, I believe if he had two more seasons like this could pitch his way into Cooperstown
3: that would that would be great that would be a, a massive thrill meanwhile Greg here are the Giants at 40 games over 500 they've had the best record in baseball for a long time uh, I've kind of become a believer are you a believer? I can't be, Randy. I,
9: I, I can't be. And I, 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 I want to be, and I sound like I'm a hater. I, I never wanted to be a hater of any sports team in the world. Like, even when the Cowboys were good, I was like, yeah, this Jerry Jones guy's not so bad. I like Troy Aikman. But uh, this Giants team, to me, if I'm being honest with you, okay, and this is a horrible thing to say, but I believe it's the truth. I'm just speaking my truth to you, Randy. Would you be shocked a year from now? If eight of these guys were DFA'd? No.
3: And here's the okay, thing. Yes, that's my point. That's <laughs> no. my point. And, and a lot of them have been DFA'd, by yes,
7: the way. Many times in their career.
9: Yeah.
3: So I, If I
9: if I named any other playoff team and I asked you, hey, would you be shocked if eight members, that's a lengthy list of players. Eight is a lot. If, if I, any playoff team you want to pick, Eight guys could be DFA next year. Would that be something that you would think is outlandish? You'd be like, whoa, there's no way the Dodgers would DFA eight of their guys. Or there's no way the Oakland A's would DFA eight of their guys. You look up and down the roster, there's just too many good players. You can literally say that about the Giants. So I, I they, they'll they get to the playoffs, and that's an awesome thing. Do I think they're going to make a dent in October? No, I don't. And I, I, I sound like a hater, but I'm just speaking my truth. I am.
3: And here's the thing. If you put blindly the, the healthy Cardinal roster next to the healthy Giants roster, you say, well, the Cardinals are clearly better when you look at that list of names compared to the Giants. Yet the Giants are 40 games over 500. <laughs> 40 games. Think about that. They're
9: 40 games over 500. This Logan Webb kid, who's been their best pitcher in the second half of the season. I, I wanted to watch an entire game that he pitched. Okay. I, I was, I got to see something to make me be- a believer. He's good. He's good. Like six one two twenty, um, throws like 93. He's a pitch to contact guy. I mean, it's, it's, it's nice. I mean, Anthony Discofani was, is a nice pitcher. Um, Alex Wood has always been kind of funky. Uh, Kevin Gossman's clearly got the best stuff in the rotation. Um, but he's bounced around an awful lot. Jake McGee, what a wonderful guy. It looks like he's got a hanger in his Jersey cause he's got the broadest shoulders in the history of baseball. Uh, <laughs> but he, yeah, apparently he's an all-star closer now I, I just, I'm sorry, from the Slaters and the Duggins and the and the Dickersons and the Solanos. Like, <laughs> sorry, I just can't, I cannot believe this team will represent the National League in the World Series. I, I just can't.
3: And by the way, one fun fact for Cardinal fans: 44 games this year for Dominic Leone, a 1.55 ERA. <sighs> <laughs> Why do you do that? Why do yeah. you do that? <laughs> well, he, he he pitched in. 40 games in a season for the Cardinals once now, the ERA was 5.53 but still
4: Jeez, oh, Randy um all right Greg well we know that Yadier Molina is coming back to the Cardinals Adam Wainwright this week had a video uh post pushing out his intent to return next season as well and after this series versus the Dodgers I'm starting to get on your side Greg about that one last dance idea with Waino Yadi and our old friend Albert Pujols
9: uh, and you're not alone. The athletic threw that out there like they were breaking news. And I was smiling while I read it <laughs> going, come on now. If you get to listen to any St. Louis sports talk, especially my friends, uh, Michelle and Randy, then you would know that this has been thrown around for quite some time. Uh, I, look, it, I, I saw what I saw when Albert came back. Okay. And it, it, I, I talked about it in length with you guys. The St. Louis was, the, you know, the girl that got away. And I think if he could go back and do it all over again, he would have never left St. Louis. He appreciates people that appreciate him and St. Louis will forever be in love with Albert pools for what he did for 11 years. So it didn't end well. If it ended well in Anaheim, um, I would probably not be as passionate about this idea, but it didn't end well. And, and, and Albert Pujols is one of the greatest right-handed hitters in the history of the game. He's done everything on his own accord, and he follows his own path. And I think he wants to end it well. I think he wants standing ovations to end his career. He doesn't want to get designated for assignment. He, he, wants, he wants the Willie McGee treatment. Every time William McGee came back in the last year, standing ovations and members of the Pittsburgh Pirates who are 24 years old are standing there going, Wait, This is a fourth outfielder. Why is he getting standing ovations? He's hitting 220. I don't stand. That's what St. Louis does. And that's what Albert's going to want. And him and Yachty and Wayno going out. Unless Wayno wants Cooperstown. Because he's pitching like a Hall of Famer this year, that he could he could throw the whole idea I had out of whack.
3: Yeah. By the way, Albert with a 971 OPS against lefties. So if you have him as a right-handed DH and a, and we will have the national the National League DH next year, as you've mentioned many times, and then you get a compliment for him to be a left-handed DH. Yeah, I'm, I'm all for that.
9: You are because it sounds like Dan wasn't for that. I don't think Dan McLaughlin liked that idea. How could you not, Dan? Right? I know he's not on right now, but <laughs> you're the play by play guy at the Cardinals. Wouldn't you love every time Albert stepped up? For, I don't care if he grounds into a 6 4 3 double play. Okay? You stand in ovation. I mean, that's, that's good TV, right? That's good TV. And that moves the needle, makes some money. People are going to be buying Albert Poole's jerseys again. And all the pomp and circumstance of having one of your greatest players ever, because he's still regarded that way. One of your greatest Cardinals ever ending their career in a Cardinal uniform. I, I, to me, it, it's a must. It, you almost have to do it. This made sense to me for quite a long time, and now Michelle's on board. <laughs> on board. We'll get McLaughlin all on board at some <laughs> point. The Athletics on board. It's going to happen, guys. It's going to happen.
4: Well, Greg, there's been a lot of uh, stagnation at the ballpark, a lot of empty seats over the past few months, and Albert's return brought an electricity that I missed, so I'm, I'm with you, bud.
9: Good, good. And and look, I know I throw a lot of stuff against the wall. I know I do. I I, I learned it from my dear friend, Harold Reynolds. Um, (laughs) When it sticks, when it sticks, then you just celebrate that. You don't ever talk about the stuff that didn't stick. You only talk about the stuff that did. And I think this is really going (laughs) to stick.
3: (laughs) Greg, we appreciate so much that you took the time to uh, be with us this morning because, uh, hey, I know you're worn out. And uh, have a great day, and we will talk to you soon. Uh, you guys are the best You always put me In a good mood I look forward to next week Thank you very much That is the great Greg Amzinger The lead anchor For MLB Network And of course a product of St. Louis And the Lindenwood University Joining us on 101 ESPN Coming up The NFL season Starts tonight Five NFL predictions For Randy and Michelle On 101 ESPN
1: We are right back To the character And Smallman Podcast On 101
3: ESPN <laughs> All right the nfl season starts tonight here on 101 espn cowboys and buccaneers pregame at 6 30 tom brady and the bucks going for back-to-back championships and the dallas cowboys trying to get to the super bowl for the first time since the 1995 season good luck to them (laughs) (laughs) and as we head into the season we have some predictions
4: question number one who is your surprise team Okay, I'll go first here, Randy. Okay. So my surprise team, and it's funny to even mention this franchise as a surprise considering their dominance over the past few decades, but my surprise team is the New England Patriots, who are coming off a 7-9 and nine season. They were 27th in offense, 15 in defense last, 15th in defense last year. But Bill Belichick, he doesn't like to not be great. So they had a very aggressive offseason. They spent $159.6 million over the course of nine days. They revamped their roster. They have their guy and quarterback Mac Jones. He seems to be ready to go and getting a full grasp of the playbook as we know. They moved on from Cam Newton and it just seems like they might be much better than people expect them to be, especially if Mac Jones is the player that they're anticipating he's going to be. And I think Bill Belichick he's always motivated to win, but after Tom Brady left Foxborough and goes to Tampa and wins the Super Bowl in his first year outside of New England and then the Patriots don't make the playoffs. He is more motivated than ever to be good, so the Patriots are my surprise team. <laughs>
3: uh, Michelle, mine is the Arizona Cardinals. The Arizona Cardinals were on the precipice of the playoffs last year, finishing 8-8. Eight and eight. Kyler Murray continues to grow. The Cardinals, in free agency, added J.J. Watts to their defense. Chandler Jones has returned, so they'll have two of the best pass rushers over the last half dozen years playing on the same defensive line. Isaiah Simmons has an opportunity to grow with one year under his belt. Uh, Zayvon Collins, the rookie linebacker, could be the defensive player of the year, defensive rookie of the year in the NFL. And then they added A.J. Green on offense. So you've got... Hopkins on one side and you've got Green on the other. Who do you cover? And their offensive line has improved. This is the year for Murray and Cliff Kingsbury to rise to the occasion. I believe that the surprise team is the Arizona Cardinals.
4: All right, question number two. Which rookie quarterback will have the best season? Well, I'm going to... Piggyback off of my first answer, and I'm going with Mac Jones, New England Patriots. Justin Fields, not going to start the season under center. Trey Lance, not going to start the season under center. Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson aren't going to be in great situations in Jacksonville and with the Jets. And I think Mac Jones not only based on what we've seen in the preseason where it looked like he had a really good handle on things and could be great and I know Alabama quarterbacks haven't necessarily been everything that they've been billed as when they get to the NFL but Mac Jones is essentially playing on an NFL team before he got to the league so I think he has great poise and great confidence and I think he's going to be surrounded by more than a lot of these other guys so I think he's my quarterback, my rookie quarterback that's going to have the best season.
3: Michelle, I'm buying what Tony Romo is selling with Zach Wilson. They've rebuilt their offensive line. Mekhi Becton at left tackle into his second year. they traded up to get Elia Vera Tucker. They've got a good center, and they have underrated receivers. Corey Davis was once at first round pick, had some success with the Tennessee Titans. Jamison Crowder has shown himself in his days with the Washington football team to be solid, and they're going to have a running game, and Robert Sala is going to do everything he can to protect Zach Wilson, allow his athleticism to take over so i'm gonna go with zach wilson shockingly a jet to be my rookie quarterback that succeeds
4: you realize he plays for the jets yes i do okay okay i also believe in tony romo however i do not believe in the jets (laughs) fair enough just telling you which quarterback that moved during the offseason will be the best a lot of options here. Teddy Bridgewater, Andy Dalton, Ryan Fitzpatrick, of course, Jared Goff and Matthew Stafford. Carson Wentz is in the mix. But if I'm putting my money on one of these guys, Randy, to have a better year than he did with his previous franchise, I'm going with Sam Darnold, who was, in fact, ruined by the New York Jets, which is why I'm not choosing Zach Wilson for the previous category. I think that he is set up for success, or at least more than he was in New York. He has uh, Matt Rule as his head coach, Joe Brady has a creative offensive system. He's got more weapons. Christian McCaffrey is coming back. He's the highest paid running back in the league. We know what a weapon he is. He's got DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Terrence Marshall, the rookie, the second round pick from LSU is emerging as a pretty good third option for wide receiver and they have a pretty favorable schedule to start the year. They're playing the Jets, the Saints, the Texans, the Cowboys, the Eagles, the Vikings, the Giants, the Falcons before they see the Patriots week nine. So I think he might be able to get on a little bit of a roll there. I'm not saying they going to go undefeated but I think he'll be a little bit more comfortable um, in the beginning of the season which is great for momentum in the second season but it, it seems like everything you're hearing out of Carolina and of course they're not going to diss their new guy but Joe Brady was saying we've got something in Sam Darnold he's doing a great job he's really comfortable and we're really excited about him and I think he's going to look like a different quarterback than we saw with the Jets.
3: That's a great call. And by the way, they do have really underrated skill position players. You ran them down, but those are are good players. A team that also has good skill position players and has built an offensive line that's one of the best in the league is the Indianapolis Colts. Carson Wentz's problem in Philadelphia was that he was the only offensive player, along with Jason Kelsey, that was healthy. Didn't have his starting receivers, didn't have his running back, didn't have his offensive line. There were times last year where four out of their five offensive linemen were not in the game because they were hurt. And literally, Kelsey, uh, Kelsey Kelsey and Wentz were the only starters available to the Eagles. Well, now Wentz goes to a place where they have a terrific offensive line led by perhaps the best guard in the league in Quentin Nelson and the best center in the league in Ryan Kelly. They're going to get Eric Fisher back. They've got an emerging wide receiver in Michael Pittman Jr. They've got a terrific wide receiver in T.Y. Hilton. And they've got a defense that will put things in a manner for Wentz that he'll be able to rely on his running game with Jonathan Taylor. They they can play low scoring games and they aren't going to count on him to win games himself which is literally what he had to do last year. So I am, and oh by the way he's back with a coach where he was an MVP candidate until he got hurt. So I'm going to go with Carson Wentz as my quarterback on the move to succeed.
4: Question number four Which division will be the most interesting? I'm going to go with all our old stomping grounds in the NFC West. You can make a really strong case for any of the teams in the NFC West to be a playoff team. You talked about the Arizona Cardinals and how you think they're going to be your surprise team. Uh, They have a pretty strong roster. They added some great key pieces, some star power to that eight and eight team. We saw a year ago with J.J. Watt and A.J. Green, Rodney Hudson. And I think this is what season three of the Cliff Kingsbury experience. So this is the time for them to blossom. The 49ers, one of the most talented. Rosters in the NFL, we know that Kyle Shanahan has a, a great grasp of his team, and I think at some point we'll probably see Trey Lance, so they're going to be a team to be reckoned with. And I also like D'Amico Ryans on their defense, their new uh, defensive coordinator. Nick Bosa is there, obviously. And the Rams acquired Matthew Stafford. That's all we'll say about them. But the Seahawks, they were 12-4, and won the NFC West last season. Russell Wilson in the offseason complaining a lot about his offensive line, and they went out and made some moves uh, to protect him a little bit more. So you can make an argument for any of these teams. There's a lot of star power in that division and I think it's going to be really interesting to see how this one shakes out.
3: So if I can make an argument for any of these teams to win the division, I can make an argument for the Rams to finish last. Correct. Which is why we only mentioned
4: that they acquired Matthew Stafford. That's all we're going to say about that.
3: Michelle, I'm intrigued by and I don't know if it's going to be a great division, but I am intrigued by the AFC South. Now, I've already addressed Indianapolis and the supporting cast that Carson Wentz is going to have. We know what Tennessee is and they added Julio jones during the offseason. jacksonville has the first pick in the draft in trevor lawrence playing quarterback and then the houston texans they're going to be a story to watch all year long because of deshaun watson so in terms of pure intrigue and storylines i'm going to go with the afc south
4: and our final question who is a guy who could be the guy not necessarily a guy for me because he certainly had a lot of buzz around him last season, but it's Justin Herbert, quarterback, Los Angeles Chargers for me. He had an unbelievable rookie campaign, and there's been a lot of talk about him potentially taking that next step this season and being in the MVP conversation. A lot of his teammates talking about, including Keenan Allen, saying he has he does not have a ceiling. You should see this guy, the way he communicates with his players, the skill set that we're seeing day in and day out. And I think that he, at the end of the this- season, we're going to be talking about Justin Herbert in the MVP conversation. I think mm. what Josh Allen did last year is going to be Justin Herbert this year.
3: Michelle, I hate to do this, but a, a guy that becomes the guy this year, C.D. Lamb, wide receiver, Dallas Cowboys. And I hate for Dallas to experience any level of success or enjoyment. But Amari Cooper, great. Michael Gallup, great. C.D. Lamb last year had 74 catches in his rookie year, had five touchdowns, 935 yards, and averaged 12.6 per reception, and by all accounts has had a spectacular training camp. And with Dak Prescott coming back, they've apparently made a connection already. So I'm saying C.D. Lamb of the Cowboys is the guy that goes from being a guy to the guy. And there you have it. Those are our predictions as we start the NFL season tonight here on 101 ESPN. CD Lamb and the Cowboys taking on Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. See, I'm not even mentioning Dak. It's it's going to be CD Lamb that leads the way. Or Zeke. Or or Amari Cooper. Yeah. Their offense is going to score. We know that's going to happen. Coming up on 101 ESPN, we've got the fight. Stick around. We are right back to the character and Smallman podcast on 101
1: ESPN. Welcome to the fight on character and Smallman.
4: moment on 101 espn and it's time for the fight randy's challenger on this thursday is patrick good morning patrick how are you good morning you doing good on this thursday patrick oh yeah are you oh yeah i'm doing great thank you for asking i appreciate that where where are you from patrick
10: uh from chesterfield
4: nice awesome and what do you do since danny mack is not here i have to i have to ask what you do for a living
10: I work with high net worth individuals in the banking industry.
4: Ooh, high net worth individuals. That sounds glamorous. <laughs> I don't know about that. It sounds like it. All right, well, Patrick, good luck to you, okay? Thank you. Question number one. Happy 36th birthday to two-time NBA champion J.R. Smith. Last month, Smith announced that he would be enrolling at North Carolina A&T State University, aiming for a degree in liberal studies and planning to join which university sports team? Is it football, bowling, or golf? Golf happy birthday to college football
2: hall of famer and former Oklahoma Sooners coach Bob Stoops after coaching the Sooners from 1999 to 2016 Stoops was the head coach of an XFL team which was it was it the Houston Roughnecks the Dallas Renegades or the Tampa Bay Vipers I'm
10: gonna go with the Dallas Renegades
4: cuckoff Miss miss our Battle Hawks. (laughs) Question number three. Oh, yes, Patrick. If I didn't want you to win before, certainly do now. All right, question number three. The Cowboys and Buccaneers, they start the NFL season with the NFL kickoff game tonight at 7.20 p.m. You can hear all that action right here on 101 ESPN. Who is the Cowboys all-time leader in career passing yards? Is it Tony Romo, Troy Aikman, or Dak Prescott?
10: Uh, I'm going to go with Troy Aikman. And
2: Rangers center fielder rangers center fielder adolis garcia has 29 home runs this season leading all rookies in home runs in the major leagues who currently holds the all-time rookie single season home run record is it mark
4: mcguire aaron judge or pete alonzo
10: i'm gonna go with pete alonzo
4: checking our score yep yep randy on his way in chatting in the hallway patrick how do you feel because you did pretty good i must say uh, not great. <laughs> you don't feel great. Well, you should feel great because you had a strong performance today, my friend. Thank you. I say that as Randy's coming in. Randy, are you intimidated that you heard that Patrick had a strong performance? I
3: am thoroughly intimidated. Patrick, good morning. It is great to have <laughs> you morning. with us. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. We appreciate you tuning in to into the show.
8: Thank
4: you. Patrick from Chesterfield.
3: All right. It's great to have you with us.
4: All right, Randy, you ready? Yes, ma'am. Happy 36th birthday to two-time NBA champion J.R. Smith. Hmm. Last month, <laughs> threw soup at a guy once. Yeah. Last month, Smith announced he would be enrolling at North Carolina A&T State University, aiming for a degree in liberal studies and planning to join which university sports team?
3: The golf team there.
4: Has to wear a shirt.
3: Yeah, a golf shirt.
4: Yeah, required. He looks great. Yeah.
2: Happy birthday to college football Hall of Famer and former Oklahoma Sooners coach Bob Stoops. After, co- after coaching the Sooners from 1999 to 2016, Stoops was the head coach of an XFL team. Which was it?
3: Do I have to give the nickname or can I just say Dallas?
4: That's fine. Dallas is fine.
3: Okay. Dallas.
4: But give us a cacaw. Cacaw! Cacaw! I miss those Battle Hawks. I really do. Yeah.
3: And they only played, what, five games? <sighs> Two home games?
4: But boy, was that Electric.
3: It was great It's kind of like how we miss Will Clark You know He was here for two months and we loved him
4: I wish I was here for the XFL. Oh, Emily, the XFL rocked. It was amazing. It was amazing. <laughs> then a global mm. pandemic ripped through <laughs> and crushed our dreams. All right, the Cowboys and Buccaneers will start the NFL season with the NFL kickoff game tonight at 7:20 p.m. You, of course, can catch all the action right here on 101 ESPN. What else would you possibly be doing other than listening to the NFL season kickoff tonight? Randy, who is the Cowboys' all-time leader in career passing yards?
3: All-time leader in career passing yards for the Cowboys, I believe, is one Tony Romo.
2: And Rangers center fielder Adolis Garcia has 29 home runs this season, wow. leading all rookies in home runs in the major leagues. That hurts, doesn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who currently holds the all-time rookie single season home run record?
3: I believe it is still Pete Alonso, the former, uh, well, he's still a New York man and home run derby champion.
4: Yes, he is home run derby champion, back to back.
3: Yeah, c- congratulations, Michelle. Hey, Great,
4: Randy. I have very few victories <laughs> on this show. I'm going to rub it in anytime I can. This, however, was an incredibly, incredibly close fight. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Patrick. Come on,
4: Patrick. You don't he, know yet. Yes, he does. Ring it, Emily. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. So oh, winner still champion of the fight, Randy
1: Character. The fight sponsored by Ryan Kelly and Herolone.com. Check out how they help veterans and service members at the new and improved Herolone.com.
4: Cuckoo. Just win, baby. Oh, did you just do a concurrent cacaw just win, baby? Emily gave us oh, the cacaw. Look, look at you guys at the same I time. The I wish the cacaw drowned out the just win, baby, as you rub it into Patrick. Patrick, he got three correct. You were so close. Uh-huh. But Megamind... Uh-huh. He's Megamind for a reason. Randy got all four correct. No lifelines, I believe, today with the Jack. Good work, Randy. And good work, Patrick. You did a great job. All right. So J.R. Smith is at North Carolina A&T State University, and he's pursuing a degree in liberal studies and playing for the golf team. So so cool. Shout out to J.R. Smith. Bob Stoops, of course, coached the Dallas Renegades and the XFL. Randy, the options were the Houston Roughnecks, the Dallas Renegades or the Tampa Bay Vipers.
3: It wouldn't have been the hated Vipers Never. because I would absolutely despise Bob Stoops right now. That's right. Because I hate the Vipers with all of my being.
4: Do you hate the Vipers more than you hate the Patriots? Yes. Do you hate the Vipers more than you hate the Rams?
3: Yes because see at least i can actively hate those teams right now the vipers they just disappeared on me so That's right. they they don't give me an opportunity just to actively hate them. I have to be passively. It's, it's like hating a, a dead person. Why would you hate a dead person? That's They're right. gone.
4: That's right. So you hate them in perpetuity. Yeah. All totally. right. Cool. Glad we settled that. All right. The Cowboys all-time leader in career passing yards is Tony Romo, 34,183 yards. Troy Aikman right behind him, 32,942 yards. Do you have any idea where Dak sits on that list? Fourth. Well, I don't know, but he has 17,634 yards. I'm
3: guessing that Roger Staubach probably has more. And Danny White, maybe he's fifth.
4: I would imagine Staubach's on that list, yes. So uh, the Major League Baseball player that currently holds the all-time rookie single-season home run record is my guy Pete Alonzo. 53 home runs in 2019 with the Mets, and it led all of Major League Baseball. Patrick, I'm sorry you didn't take home the W today, but great effort out of you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll always have the battle hogs, Patrick. We will always have them in our hearts. Thank you so much. Have a great Thank
3: day. Bye. Thank you Patrick. <laughs> Oh, you know what this means.
4: Are you saying that Patrick didn't win, but someone else could?
3: Somebody could. They could win Chris Stapleton tickets. You can get two tickets to the Chris Stapleton concert at the Hollywood Casino Amphitheater on September 16th. Tickets on sale now. And if you don't win, you can always find a bonus chance to win free tickets at 101ESPN.com and on the 101 ESPN mobile app. But if you can think of, or if you can come up with, if you know the phrase that pays next hour, you can win a pair of tickets today.
4: And by the way, I'm looking at Chris Stapleton tickets right now Mm -hmm. online. $164, $243. These are hot tickets that you could get for free if you've been listening to Carriker and Smallman today. So we've given you the first word of the phrase that pays in the 7 o'clock hour. The second word, as you just heard the club horn there, I'm going to reveal it right now. The second word is and. And. Mm. Okay. Simple. Very simple. Connector, but it's there. And
3: that is the fight coming up. The blues getting ready to start training camp. Jeremy Rutherford with a great piece about one of the guys that apparently is going to be there. That's in the athletic. And JR is going to talk about that with us next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to
1: the Characer and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here
3: we go. Our friend and blues insider from The Athletic, Jeremy Rutherford, is with us on the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line right now. JR, good morning. How you doing?
10: I'm doing well, guys. Uh, good to talk to you. And hey, you guys know I listen all the time, all the time. Yes. But I feel like I missed something. Uh, Michelle, did you ever use your... Card on Randy where he has to tell the guests "I love you." Is it
4: coming up or JR? That's a great question, and you know what? I had forgotten about that. That card oh. is still in my back oh. pocket. Thank Sorry, you, JR, for that <laughs> reminder. I'm going to wait until we have someone that's a little prickly and make sure that Randy has to tell that pr- he or she that he loves them.
10: I love all of our guests. Oh, uh, Randy! Randy's going to kill me. Sorry,
3: Randy. <laughs> no, that's fine. I, I knew it was coming. So uh, it's uh, it's going to happen at some point. So I'm good with it. You
4: know what, Jr. We had Craig Berube on the show last week. I should have had Randy tell oh, Chief. Oh, that'd have
3: been it. perfect. Or maybe <laughs> next time
4: we speak with Army, that would be good too. Oh, that'd
3: be good. Love you, Army. <laughs> uh, Jr. I loved your piece when you talked to Brett Hall and Chris Pronger about the Vladimir Tarasenko situation. What was your big takeaway in talking to those two Blues Hall of Famers?
10: A couple of things, one, in talking to Brett Hall, and I thought he was pretty open and candid. Both of those guys were, but in talking to Brett Hall, at one point I said, uh, you know, do you feel like Vladimir Tarasenko is working hard enough, playing hard enough? And he said that, uh, you know, your mission has to be scoring goals every night. And I know there's a lot of other things that he needs to do in the course of the game. Craig Burby and the coaching staff want to see him. But he said, if you're not working for every square inch of that ice and wanting every puck, then it's not going to happen. And that was kind of an indirect answer. He wasn't specifically talking about Vladimir Tarasenko there, but it was on the heels of of me asking that question. And and so I thought that that uh, indirect answer was kind of illuminating. And also, I, I think that, a lot of players in the NHL, especially some star players, you know, think they're playing great. They've right? played great their whole life, and that's just how their game is. And I think uh, what Brett Hall said about Teresinko, hey, if, if I've got coaches and general managers talking to me about how I'm playing and coming at me and, and criticizing my game, maybe I'm not playing as good as I think I am. And I think perhaps Brett's gone through that uh, in his career, and, and I think that he was indicating, hinting, that uh, Tarasenko
4: probably going through some of that. I also thought JR was really telling what Brett Hall said about the surgery that Vladimir Tarasenko had indicated or his camp had that he didn't believe the surgeries on his left shoulders were done properly by the club doctors and Brett Hall said it's just as much the players responsibility to find a doctor that they trust that they didn't have to use the team doctor so he suggested maybe he was just using that as leverage to get the trade request but a lot of us don't know the complexities of how those decisions go down And so I thought that was, at least for me, trying to navigate all of this, really telling that here's somebody who was in the league for a long time in the Blues organization, that Vladdy didn't have to use those doctors if he didn't trust them.
10: That's the thing. When you talk to a couple of guys, Brett Hall and especially Chris Pronger, who had the 15 surgeries, 13 while he was playing, uh, you know, what, what they tell you about those situations, I, I think you, you have to go by because they've certainly been in those positions. You know, I, I think to look at Vladimir Tarasenko's decision to use a team doctor for that first surgery. You know, I don't really see anything wrong with that. I mean, in hindsight, we're looking back after three surgeries and saying, you know, how did this happen and and why did he allow it to happen? Well you know, you're a young player and that first shoulder surgery happens and, and you're familiar with the team doctors. And I think I've heard Jimmy Rivers on the air on the fast lane talk about the fact that there's not necessarily an obligation or pressure or anything like that. But when you're on the team, the team doctors are there and, and that's who does your surgeries. And, and that's what happens. But, you know, now the fact that we're talking about three shoulder surgeries and he had to go To the uh, outside the organization, for that third one, and now we hear the criticism of the team doctors. Yeah, I think Brett Hall makes some good points here. That hey, buddy, you know you were you were in charge of your health here.
3: And Jr. One of the things that was noted in your piece is that regardless of what happens. If he shows up at camp with the Blues and walks through those dressing room doors, it is going to be a distraction for the players, for the coaching staff, for the president of hockey operations. The Vladimir Tarasenko situation is going to be a cloud over this team until he's gone, isn't it?
10: I think so, and I was a little surprised at how outspoken uh, Brett and Chris were On that topic, you know, typically when you talk to players, a lot of them will say, well, you know, the players are used to things like that. And, and, you know, contract disputes, uh, guys missing time in camp and and the regular season, perhaps. And, uh, you know, they'll know how to deal with it. But I don't even know that I got the question out to either one of those guys. And both of them said distraction. And, uh, And you're talking about. You know, Brett Hall, who's been in his share of distractions, and you're talking about Chris Pronger, who is a part of the Florida management team and and knows what it's like uh, to be uh, looking at things from that perspective. So uh, Brett said it will definitely brew in the the locker room, which I thought was interesting because that's not necessarily a situation where he's saying that, uh, you know, the media and everyone else outside is going to create that. He said that it's going to brew in the locker room, and of course we've heard for months and, and years you know, uh, about a relationship between Vladimir Tarasenko and, and the rest of the team. And, and he is out there skating right now, to his credit, out at uh, Centini. He's in uh, the pre-skates and getting ready for training camp in just about a week and a half. Um, so perhaps that smooths some things over. Uh, but I think both of those coming out, those guys coming out and saying it's going to be a distraction was pretty enlightening.
3: And J.R., Hulley had a front row seat to uh, an identical situation with Adam Oates.
10: He did, he did, and, uh, you know, obviously that did not turn out the right way for St. Louis, for Brett Hall, for Adam Oates, for for anybody, that contract dispute between the two of them when Adam wanted to uh, renegotiate and then thus was traded. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's the purpose of the article. You know, these guys have been through that. These two guys have not necessarily asked for a trade like, Vladimir Tarasenko uh, has here, but I think it's a situation where both of those guys were star players in those positions and they know exactly what's going on behind the scenes. And that's where they're able to open our eyes to, to some of the things that uh, they feel could happen with this situation.
4: So Jr. Doug Armstrong is in a pretty tough situation right now, but what do you think is going to be more detrimental to the success of the Blues this season? Having Vladimir Tarasenko be on the team and cause a distraction in the dressing room and maybe not be 100% motivated to be be here, or the Blues having to move him and not getting the value that they want out of him out of the the deal. Potentially having to eat some of that salary. Which avenue is less difficult for the Blues to take?
10: Yeah, it's a great way to put it. And I think at this point, Doug Armstrong's probably looking at it as he's going to hold out until he gets the compensation that he wants. Honestly, uh, if you're if everybody's been watching the situation for a couple months, if Doug Armstrong were to not get a good return now. And and when I say, you know, we're not looking to get, you know, a star all-star player back in this return, but if, if Doug Armstrong pays a lot of the salary to, to watch Vladimir Tarasenko leave, or he gets, you know, some seventh defenseman, then I think everybody's going to look at the situation and say, why did you, hang on to him this long so I think that's even more uh, incentive for him to hold out even longer to find the best deal possible but to me it isn't so much the issue of having him in camp or having him start the regular season with the Blues as it is the salary cap situation I mean Tyler Bozak's out there skating with the guys and can't get a contract because of the situation with the salary cap because Tarasenko's uh, still counting against it so to me you know, I don't think it would be the end of the world to have him in camp and you know put a fake smile on and, and try to make things work. Uh, but to me, how do you get these other guys in camp, Robert Thomas, Tyler Bozak signed and ready to go? You have a little wiggle room because of the Oscar Sundquist injury, uh, but still you need a little more to get these signed.
3: JR, your information is always great, and the work you do at The Athletic is always fantastic. We do appreciate you joining us today, and uh, i got to admit, I'm, I'm kind of ticked about the I love you thing. well i'll just say it i love you guys i love you randy you're the best thank you jr
4: you are the best thank you for that
3: yep we'll talk to you soon see ya. jeremy rutherford our blues insider from the athletic on 101 espn
4: Great info from Jr. not only in his piece at The Athletic, mm-hmm. which everyone should read, but reminding me that I still have that card from the Wheel of yeah, Punishment. Yeah,
3: that's great. That's really terrific. Uh, <laughs> coming up, today's big thing. Tom Brady goes old school, and he's right. This is next on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs>
3: As the Buccaneers get ready to start the season tonight here on 101 ESPN against the Cowboys, at Buccaneers.com, our old friend Casey Phillips got together with four of the Buccaneers players, Levante David, Rob Gronkowski, Tom Brady, and Mike Evans. And one of the questions she asked, and this is a a 30-minute panel where she's asking uh, players different questions, but one of the questions was, if you could change any rule in the NFL, what would it be? And Tom Brady said that it would be the rule where wide receivers are aren't protected their knees he said offensive linemen, defensive linemen's knees are protected quarterbacks running backs the only position in the league where quarterbacks uh, or where knees aren't protected is for wide receivers and brady went on to say that part of the reason that wide receivers run into so many problems is because the league allows it to happen here's brady I think
8: the one thing about football that's changed over the years, which I think is really hard for someone like me who's played a long time to watch, is like, it's not being taught the right way. Like, a quarterback should only throw the ball to certain places because your receiver is in danger of getting hit. For example, when I used to play against Ray Lewis, mm-hmm. I wouldn't throw the ball to the middle <laughs> of the field because he would he he'd go after you and he would hit, like. and we didn't always have the biggest receivers, but... He would hit him and knock him out of the game. Mm-hmm. And now any, every hard hit is a penalty on the defense. So I feel like they penalize defensive players for offensive mistakes. Mm-hmm. So like if a quarterback—I was watching the Chicago Bear
2: game—the <laughs> quarter, so quarterback
8: like, messes up, doesn't see the blitzer, and, or the line screws up. I don't know what happened, but the quarterback or the line on offense, the defensive player comes in and hits him hard, and they throw a flag on the defense. So they've almost moved the protection of your opponent. To you as opposed to where it should be, which is on yourself. Like if you're a quarterback, you got to protect yourself and your players. It shouldn't be the responsibility of your opponent to protect you. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a real – it creates really bad habits for players because you feel like I can basically do anything. I could run and not slide. I can throw my receiver into any coverage and not have any repercussion for it. The only thing they're going to do is they're actually going to blame the defensive player Mm -hmm. for making a good solid hit, and now the defensive player is going to feel like, oh, I can't do that, Mm -hmm. even though I feel like it was an offensive mistake. So in the end, I think it's a really disservice to the sport. Because the sport isn't being played at a high level Mm -hmm. like I I believe that it once was. It actually deteriorates because you're not teaching the players – the reasons and the fundamentals of what the sport should be
4: what a great and thoughtful answer from tom brady but i did not expect tom brady to essentially say that he wanted defenses to be allowed to hit players in this manner and inflict pain and hard hits on offensive players you would expect a quarterback especially someone like tom brady um He's right, though, by the way, hundred uh, percent. he's right about the quarterback and the offensive mistakes being called on uh, or the defense is being penalized for stuff like that. But I wouldn't expect a quarterback to be advocating for defensive players to be allowed to hit harder or um, in, in any way to say that it's the offense's mistake.
3: But he gets it and, and he gets that this product isn't as good as the product that he entered the league to and by the way that was levade david that was saying my guy on point that was the defensive player there right that, that was saying that but my sense is that i want to go back to when we talked to dick for at in, in canton and he said i couldn't coach today because we don't have enough time to teach players and Jeff Fisher told me in his last training camp here that he had half the number of practices that he had in his last year in Tennessee. In his last year in Tennessee, he had about 40 practices. In his last year here, he had about 20. And the offseason program has been cut in half, too. So there's not as much time to teach. And... The rules are much more stringent now, but if you aren't teaching players how to properly play the game, mistakes are going to be made that cause people to get injured. And it's not the defensive player's fault. He's just playing the game the way it's supposed to be played, and offenses are walking right into it, whether it is a quarterback throwing a receiver into coverage or a receiver playing without any fear of being hit and then getting hit it is it's offensive mistakes that are leading to defensive penalties and it seems unfair it's kind of like the the hockey thing where players get two minutes for checking too hard players are literally being penalized now for tackling in the nfl
4: And that's why we love this game, right? Yes, it's an inherently violent game, but the big hits are part of the, the reason that people like football, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's what a lot of people used to tune in for. And Tom Brady's right. It's a completely different product than when he started in the league, and it is it is a disservice to the sport because it is a lesser product to some degree, but I don't think that's changing. If anything, no. I think you're going to see less practices and you're going to see more penalties because the league is worried about preserving the players, especially now that there's another game. The more games that they add, the more that they're going to want to make sure that players are healthy so that they can continue the season, which means more money and more eyes on television and things for them.
3: Well, and younger players think that Last year was a good product. And they said, well, we didn't even have a preseason. We couldn't hit. We didn't have any preseason games. And our product was great. And, Michelle, this goes back to why I say, even though the Rams left, we will never Ever and no fan base will ever have it as good as we did for that slice of five years, 99-2001-02-03. Because not only was the greatest show on turf the greatest offense in the history of the league, but defense could play mm-hmm. and you could hit. And not only the, the Rams defense, but I, I talked to Isaac Bruce, I've talked to him several times about a hit that he took in their first game, it was the Sunday before nine eleven. A, a hit that he took... On the sideline in the first game at Philadelphia, that should have knocked him out for a season. But it was just a great hit by the Philadelphia defender. And some of the hits that we saw, Charlie Clemens almost knocked off Jeff George's head in the first playoff game ever played in St. Louis. Now that's a 15-yard penalty. And the play that Isaac got hit on would be a 15-yard penalty, and it shouldn't be. We should be allowed to have legal hard-hitting in sports as long as it's not to the head, in football specifically.
4: Yeah, of course, right? Definitely concerned about concussions. Can I read you one text, Randy, that we got from the 309? Who is this guy on 101, and what did he do to Randy? I don't know how to (laughs) react to Randy's non-negative tone towards TB12. Here's the thing.
3: Well, two things. Number one, he clearly was suppressed by the evil Bill Belichick, right? And he's not wrong. His comment is 100% on the mark. We are in syncopato and wanting to see the league be better. If if Now, does Roger Goodell want to see the league be better? No. Does Jerry Jones or Stan Kroenke want to see the league be better? No. Tom Brady, as a player, and as you mentioned, very thoughtful. The, the, the thing is, if a guy's driving home or if a guy is working around the house, cooking dinner, and thinking about what could make his sport better. Adam Wainwright's the same way, right?
4: Thinking about the greater good.
3: Right, thinking about how can our game be better? I like those guys. I like the guys that want the sport and think about ways to make the sport be better.
4: Especially when it's a detriment to yourself. Yeah, Especially (laughs) when you're, you're basically campaigning for defenses to be able to hit harder and to be able to play in a way that might Impact, impact him negatively. <laughs>
3: there is a rule that's called the Tom Brady rule because Bernard Pollard dove for his knees. By the way, they didn't change that rule when Trent Green got hurt, the exact mm-hmm. same thing, mm-hmm. but they changed it for Tom Brady, and he still wants to have football be a physical sport, which I think is a good thing.
4: Me too. That's why we love football, right?
3: Yep. And you will hear Brady and the Bucs tonight against Dak and the Cowboys and C. D. Lamb and the Cowboys. 6.30 pregame for the NFL's opener here on 101 ESPN. And Oh, by the way, make sure that you go to bigleagueimpact.org and sign up for the Big League Impact fantasy football season. You can still head to a game tomorrow. I believe that you can still get into the game tomorrow for the Cards and the Reds and play fantasy football against Adam Wainwright and a bunch of major leaguers.
4: And us. And we have
3: our first team set up.
4: We do. You sent the lineup last night.
3: You like it? It's I, my first time ch- ever
4: playing fantasy football, yeah. so uh, I'm excited. I
3: may have made one slight change. Oh, did you? Yeah.
4: Well, what if I'm not okay with it? We, it is just the two of us. Well,
3: we'll discuss it. We may have an argument coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast on
1: 101 ESPN.
3: One thing we'll never be sick of is Chris Stapleton. You can win tickets to next Thursday night's Chris Stapleton concert at Hollywood Casino Amphitheater. All you have to know is the phrase that pays. What is the phrase that pays? Uh, We've already given you two words, and Michelle is going to give you a third.
4: That's right. Hopefully we're listening in the 7 a.m. and 8 a.m. hours, and you got the first two words for the the phrase that pays. And I'm about to give the third word. And then you text us, 65780, the entirety of the phrase, and you could head to go see Stapes, as Randy calls him, Chris Stapleton. Right.
3: And should we do this in honor of Adam Wainwright and have it be texture number 50?
4: I love that. Absolutely. Okay. From one guy of ours, Adam Wainwright, to another in Stapes. Stapes. (laughs) Another in Stapes. The last word and the phrase that pays is you.
3: You is the last word.
4: So send us the entire phrase 65780. The last word is you. And you could be headed to see Chris Stapleton next Thursday. And we looked tickets up earlier today. They're going for hundreds of dollars.
3: Right. And by the way, if you don't win, if you aren't texture number 50, you can find a bonus chance to win free tickets right now at 101ESPN.com or on your 101ESPN mobile app. And also don't forget that the Jamie Rivers Roast is Saturday night. It's at the St. Louis Music Park at Centene Ice Center. Ian Bagg will headline a group of celebrity roasters. You got to be 21 plus to attend. Obviously it's Jamie after all that's tickets, right. tickets on sale. Now get all the ticket details for the roast of Jamie rivers. Now at 101 ESPN.com.
4: No baby ears in attendance for that
3: one. No, not with, <laughs> not with Jamie in the house. Okay. We have our first lineup for our big league impact fantasy football weekend. We do
4: Michelle Just to us.
11: And
3: I, I texted you the lineup last night. You agreed. Now I, I switched out and you'll like this. Essentially I traded uh, Uh, David Johnson, and we don't know if he's going to play much for Houston. David Culley, their head coach, won't say who their starting running back is going to be. So we traded him out for Odell Beckham Jr.
4: I'm into it. Great move, Randy. So
3: we've got Aaron Rodgers against New Orleans in Jacksonville as our quarterback. Our running backs, Dalvin Cook and Gus Edwards. Okay with those? Mm -hmm. Odell Beckham. And this is, by the way, under a $500,000 salary cap. Odell Beckham Jr., Devontae Adams as our uh, receivers. George Kittle. uh, Oh, oh, and Michael Pittman, also a receiver. George Kittle is our tight end. Love that. And then Robbie Gold is our uh, kicker against Jacksonville. Okay. Yep. Uh And then finally, our defense is Lovey Smith's Houston Texans against the rookie Trevor Lawrence, making his first NFL start.
4: Great pick. Don't love it. But again, we're under confines of $50,000, right? Right. Right. So we, was it 50 or five hundred? Five dollars $500,000. $500,000. That's right. But I love these picks for us, especially Aaron Rodgers as our quarterback. He's going to go scorched earth this season.
3: Rodgers to Adams is going to be fun on Sunday. It's
4: going to be very fun. Now, serious question, Randy. And when we see Adam Wainwright either today at the ballpark or tomorrow when we're there for our big league impact um, meet and greet. For this fantasy football league I need to ask Adam When we beat Adam Wainwright In fantasy football Is he still going to want to come on And do the weekly hits with us Because we're going to win
3: Yeah we are I think he will. I think he likes the idea of being trash talk a little bit when he loses.
4: Okay, because that's going to happen. And I hope he's ready for it. Because he told us this week that when you asked him, he says that everybody thinks it's going to be fun to get in the Adam Wainwright League yeah. until Adam beats them.
3: It's like the old Mike Tyson line, right? Everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face.
4: That's right, but what's going to yeah. happen when we're the ones doing the punching?
3: Yeah, right. Good question. Just saying. All right, time for Sick of It and Michelle. I'm... Uh, Uh, After watching the last couple of days, I I see them a lot, but I don't pay. uh, I I don't have to deal with it on a regular basis. I'm sick of the Dodgers being so good.
4: Oh, so sick of it. So annoying. They're so good.
3: They have so many good players and they play well. It's not like a dream team like the Eagles were a decade ago and they got all those good players. The Dodgers are legitimately great and they have a lot of great players. And by the way. Aside from one guy Who's not there anymore It seems like Pretty good guys too
4: That's right It does seem like Pretty good guys Max Scherzer Albert Pujols A lot of guys Mookie Betts Seems awesome Right Um The thing that I hate about that and that I'm sick of, too, is we we know what the Cardinals are at this point in the season. But when you play a team like the Dodgers that are truly stacked and really cohesive, it's like holding a mirror up to what your team is. And when you play the Dodgers, the disparity between a real World Series champion and a real World Series contender and your team, it's glaring. It's glaring. <laughs> you know, this isn't the Cardinals playing the Brewers. This isn't the Cardinals playing the Reds. This is a dominant team. Yeah. And they're far from it.
3: And Adam they've got Wainwright? some ground to yeah. make up. Yeah, we do. And Adam Wainwright, by the way, handled them last night. Yes he did. Our He's, guy, the one guy that could play for them. Think about it. We don't have an outfielder that could play for them really. Right? No. I mean you, you take uh you take bets. Uh, Cody Bellinger's Bader and because Bellinger has the history was rookie of the year Not having a good year But you still take Bellinger over over Bader Tyler O'Neill is nice and left But A.J. Pollock is a regular left fielder He's a better player I guess you take Arenado over I
4: don't know Justin Turner's a really good player I think I'd take Arenado. Yeah Even though he is Justin Turner is great but.
3: Middle infield You take their top four middle infielders Over our, our best two uh, Goldie at first I guess you take Goldie at first too So you, you take our corner infielders And then Will Smith is really, really good and right now, probably as good as or better than Yachty. And then How obviously. Dare then, How dare you? Yeah. But right now, Yachty's 40. How dare but, you? But then you look at He's not Aureus, 40 yet. You look at Bueller. You look at Kershaw. You look at, uh, uh, oh, yeah, Max Scherzer. Oh,
4: yeah, that guy. That
3: guy. It's... Uh, <laughs> So we've got maybe, and by the way, Wainwright would be in the rotation. So we've got three guys.
4: And you know what? That's what I'm sick of. Adam Wainwright deserves to pitch in the postseason Mm -hmm. this year. Adam Wainwright deserves that. And I am so sick of him going out and being a revelation for this team and then feeling the thud of the fact that they're likely not going to make the postseason. And it drives me crazy that he's not going to get that opportunity. And maybe they will. Maybe they will. They're not completely out of it yet. Let's still hold on to hope. But mm. I don't like the fact that I don't feel great about it because I really want that for him. I do, too. And for the fans to get to yeah. see him on that stage again.
3: We all want that, definitely. By the way, Will Smith, terrific defensively. And this year with an 891 OPS, 23 homer, 69 RBIs.
4: I repeat, how dare you?
3: Sorry. He did hit his tenth last night.
4: He was great last night.
3: He was great. He's the reason they won. Put him ahead for good.
4: Adam Wainwright too.
3: Yeah. Are you sick of anything?
4: Well, I just told you I'm sick of Adam Mm. Wainwright being amazing and and the Cardinals not giving me reason to believe that he's going to pitch in the postseason. It's so frustrating.
3: Emily, what are you sick of? Or do you have anything that you're? That I
4: know like what I'm only sick, sick of. What allergies, right, it, girl? It is oh. my allergies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I poor thing. I was sitting in the, at the ball game last
2: night, and my mom goes, "Do you do you want to leave?" And it was uh, it was the ninth inning, and I go. Depends. If Wayno comes out, we're staying. If he doesn't, maybe he came out and then uh when he got pulled, I'm like, you know what? We got to stay. This close game, we got to stay. And we ended up staying, even though I was miserable. Miserable. <laughs> you're, you're a gamer. But good game that you saw. It was saw, a great right? game. So I was you're like, glad we you can't. Stayed. We
4: can't go. No, we can't go. Totally. So, yeah. yeah.
3: And uh, by the way, we do have a. Uh, we, we have the official phrase that pays. Michelle, what was the phrase that pays today?
4: It was whiskey and you. A great song of Staples.
3: Okay. So thanks very much for your texts and thanks for listening throughout the morning for the phrase that pays on 101 ESPN. Pretty cool. People actually know that it was whiskey and you. That's great. Is I'm that, proud of you.
4: Is that your favorite Chris Stapleton tune?
3: Probably. Yeah, but there's he, he's a star maker. He, every every song that he has, he's a hit maker. He's a star that's a hit maker, right?
4: That's right. I know you also love Tennessee whiskey. My personal favorite of Chris Stapleton is Fire Away. Absolute jam.
3: Yeah. That's pretty cool. It's going to be a fun concert. Uh, <laughs> there you have it. That's sick of it. Um, 101 ESPN. Next up, stick around for You're Killing Me, Smalls. We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast on
1: 101 ESPN. <laughs>
3: Congratulations to Jacob from Leslie Moe. He is on the way his way next Thursday to the Chris Stapleton concert at Hollywood Casino Amphitheater. And uh, if you didn't win, there's really nobody to blame.
4: (laughs) And we'll be giving away other tickets. So once you hear the word or the sounder, just fire away.
3: Absolutely. And you know what? Make sure that you are aware that the concert starts at 7. So if it gets to 6.15 or so next week, you should probably leave. <laughs> oh, Michelle doing this is the joy of my life.
4: Also, Randy, if you don't want to spend a lot of money on booze, make sure and smuggle in some Tennessee whiskey.
3: <laughs> there you go. But you know what? It, you you're kind of an angelic figure. You smuggle in some Tennessee whiskey. You kind of we have a broken halo.
4: But when I see those prices for beer, Randy, sometimes I cry. <laughs> <laughs>
3: It's time for.
4: You're killing me, Smalls. (laughs) We thank you for stopping that because just like with Drake yesterday, we could go all day. Yes, we could. All right. well, Derek Jeter, as we know, got inducted into Cooperstown yesterday. He is officially a Hall of Famer, and everybody knew Derek Jeter is a Hall of Famer. His status was never in doubt. Everybody knew that he was going to be a first ballot guy. The question was, would Derek Jeter be the second player to receive 100% of the vote? He did get it in on the first ballot, but it was not unanimous. Jeter received 99.7% of the vote. Only one person left Eric Jeter off of their ballot, and when he was up at the podium yesterday, he made sure to address that.
3: Thank you to uh, the baseball riders, all but one of you who voted for me. <laughs> yeah.
4: What do you think about that? Do you think that Jeter should have not called that person out? And obviously we don't know who it was because it was an anonymous voter that kept Jeter off of the ballot.
3: No, you totally jab that person because that person's an idiot. (laughs) And Derek Jeter has that fire that burns within him. He wanted to be the first guy or second guy, I guess. It would have been unanimous. And his teammate Mariano was unanimous. He should have been unanimous as well. So I totally get making a joke about the situation, but reminding that one person that yeah, you you didn't know as much as or you knew more than the other 550 people who were voting.
4: Also, if you're going to be bold enough to leave Derek Jeter off your ballot, then be bold enough to not be anonymous.
3: Agreed. Right. And it might have been just somebody who sent in a blank ballot and didn't put anybody down, but still Tell us who you are.
4: But if you send in a blank ballot, then I don't think you should vote.
3: Once you don't vote for anybody, you should not be allowed to vote anymore. You're 100 percent right.
4: Yeah, they should. This is uh, something that's obviously a great honor to be able Mm. to vote for the Baseball Hall of Fame. And if you're not going to take it seriously or you're not going to put the great care into it that it requires by sending it in with nobody on there, then you shouldn't have that privilege.
3: No, I'm with you 100 percent there.
4: You're killing me, Smalls. So we don't talk a lot of NBA on this show. We talked a little bit during the NBA postseason and the NBA finals. But this stuff with the Sixers, is the drama is just never ending. And Ben Simmons is likely not long for Philadelphia. But the questions are burning about how they're going to move them, where they're going to move them. So training camp begins on September 28th for the Sixers. And Ben Simmons has every intention of just not showing up for it at all. And Brian Windhorst had an interesting report that he essentially told the Sixers that it's not his job to fix or increase his value. You know, a lot of talk about Ben Simmons not rising to the occasion or potentially even being scared during the the postseason. He was supposed to work on his shot this offseason, which would fix his value. But anyway, Windhor says that one of the messages that Ben has sent back towards Philly is that it's not his job to fix his trade value. It's not his job to correct his trade value or raise his trade value. That's not something that's on the menu for him. And so with that out there, I don't think he's interested in coming in and trying to change the situation. One thing that I think is interesting is that his contract is structured in a way that he's going to get half of his money by October 1st. $16.5 million of his $33 million comes before he even has to worry about getting fined a single dime for, for 41 of his games. So he's going to have a war chest if he can just sit this out.
3: Wow. That's what that was going to be my question and a mistake, obviously, on the part of the Sixers. I'm amazed that NBA teams draft guys with first and second picks in the draft and say, yeah, we're going to teach him how to shoot. And some guys just don't have the ability to be good shooters. But man, to give a guy that contract where. He owns the entire situation. He's completely in charge of the situation. That is really irresponsible on the part of the Sixers.
4: Well, and to think about the fact that they're in this pickle right now with Ben Simmons, Markel Foltz, their number one pick mm-hmm. who lost his shot too. If I was a Sixers fan and you told me for so many years to trust the process that this was going to work out and here we are sitting here on September 9th, 2021, and I'm looking back at, at some of the decisions that were made and some of the guys that you put so much stock into, I'm questioning everything.
3: The only guy that they have left really from the process is Embiid, That's right? right. If indeed Ben Simmons isn't there anymore. But you mentioned Markel Fultz, uh, Nerland's Noel didn't work out for them. They had a litany of first-round picks that were supposed to be part of the process that fixed the Sixers, and they wound up exacerbating the problem.
4: And Ben Simmons is obviously a great player, but... He's, he's an all-star type player, but is he a championship caliber player? There's a difference. And I think that's what the, the Sixers are trying to convince other teams is that, yes, he might have been a bit hesitant yes, there needs to be some progression from an offensive standpoint. And that's what they were probably trying to sell other teams that he was working on in the Mm -hmm. offseason. So for him and his camp to say, that's not on us to fix my trade value. If I'm another team, I'm thinking, what's what's with that attitude? I want to acquire a player that wants to be better, that wants to fix every issue that might be plaguing them.
3: Right. Teams that build up equity with draft choices, they make trades for guys like James Harden. They don't make trades for guys like Ben Simmons. The, the best equity in the NBA is shooting, is especially three-point shooting. If you can't even shoot when you're next to the hoop in game seven of a playoff series, if you don't have the guts to take the shot, why is somebody going to give up three number ones and a couple of players for you?
4: I wouldn't want to. No.
3: Now, Paul George, you give something up for that. No doubt about it. When you're Toronto, you give something up for Kawhi Leonard. You don't give something up for Ben Simmons.
4: No. You're killing me, Smalls. And I'm sure the Sixers feel great about that. All right. Speaking of another interesting front office move, Howie Roseman, the Philadelphia Eagles GM, he was on sports radio 94 WIP yesterday, and he would ask if he would draft Jalen Hurts all over again, knowing what he knows now. And here's what he said about Jalen Hurts. He can play and he could win. And on if he would make the Hurts pick again, he said, we loved Carson, but we played four playoff games and we needed our backup in every single one.
3: That's an interesting comment, and that's true. Yeah. He's not wrong. No. And taking Jalen Hurts in the second round, yeah, that's... Well, he he is their starting quarterback. Now, let's see how that works. Let's see if Howie Roseman is a better talent evaluator with Hurts than he was with Wentz, because he did draft Carson Wentz.
4: That's right. And the Eagles actually played in six playoff games since they drafted Carson Wentz in 2016. He appeared in just one. He started that 2019 playoff game against the Seahawks. He was knocked out by that big Jadavian Clowney hit. But his greater point still stands that they needed Nick Foles and had to go to other people Mm -hmm. outside of the guy that was their franchise quarterback
3: and that's a problem that's the reason lack of health consistent health is the reason that the Niners traded up to get Trey Lance it wasn't because Jimmy Garoppolo can't play Jimmy Garoppolo has been fantastic when he's played he's just played less than half of the games that he the 49ers have played since he got there That's great stuff, Michelle. Thank you. You got it. That is Michelle Smallman. And that is you're killing me. Oh, yeah. Can I give
4: one shout out really quickly? I was getting my hair done yesterday over at Studio Bronco with my hairstylist, Carrie. And the person who was supposed to come in after me came in, a very sweet woman named Mindy. And she told me that her husband listens to our show every day and had actually seen me talk about my hairdresser. So he got his wife set up there, which I thought was so sweet. But Chris Looney, your wife, Mindy, is so sweet. And thank you for listening every day.
3: That's great. Great to hear.
4: Uh, we love when we get to meet people that listen. It's very cool for us.
3: Definitely. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, we're going to head down the stretch as we head towards the Danny Mac show with BK on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the
1: character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> <laughs>
3: You still have time to enter to join the fast lane in Chicago and potentially you can win your way in on the fun courtesy of Walter Knoll florist. Visit any of Walter Knoll's four area locations now through Sunday. Find the QR code in store and get entered to win a free weekend in the windy city that includes a two night hotel stay, a party with the fast lane, a hundred dollar gas card and more all the details on the Chicago trip giveaway with Walter Knoll in the fast lane. Now at one Oh one ESPN.com. Michelle, Since August 1st, the top-selling jerseys in the NFL are all quarterbacks.
4: Not surprising.
3: Not surprising at all. Number five, Patrick Mahomes, Kansas City Chiefs.
4: Surprised he's down on number five, but I guess a lot of people probably have already purchased their Patrick Mahomes jerseys.
3: Number four is Justin Fields.
4: Not surprising, again, Chicago very amped for their new quarterback. Big city, big fan base.
3: One guy who's probably sold more jerseys than anybody in the history of the league.
4: Is it Tom Brady?
3: Yes, he's okay. number three. And multiple people have multiple Brady jerseys, That's right? That's right.
4: They probably have several um, New England Patriots jerseys. And then I would imagine Tampa Bay Bucs jerseys as well.
3: And for those that might have their Patriots jersey in their closet, they've replaced it with number two.
4: Mac Jones? Yes. I'm surprised he's not number one.
3: I am, too, because they really like their jerseys.
4: They love a jersey in New yeah. England.
3: And I actually thought Carson Wentz might get some love for, because the, the, those Colts fans, man, they buy, all of them have quarterback jerseys. Whether it was Manning or Luck, they all have quarterback jerseys. But so
4: Manning the, or Luck, you're thinking is going to be a jersey that you're going to wear proudly for a long, a decade plus. Carson Wentz, you're kind of like, do I want to spend the money? Am I sold? Mm.
3: Yeah, then maybe they have to be sold out.
4: You know what I mean? That's a lot of money to spend on a quarterback that you don't 100% believe in.
3: True. Number one, the number one jersey since August 1st in the NFL. Can I guess? Yes.
4: Is it Trevor Lawrence?
3: Uh, No.
4: Is it Aaron Rodgers?
3: Shockingly, no. He's not in the top five.
4: Well, I would think some people in Green Bay, knowing that this is probably the last ride, definitely want to get the, the jersey. Is it Russell Wilson?
3: It is not Russell Wilson either.
4: Huh. All right, Randy, who is it? Tell me.
3: It is not Matthew Stafford.
4: Well, that one we knew because not enough fans go to the games to That's want to true. buy the jersey.
3: And along those lines, it's not uh, Herbert either.
4: Also, oh, Herbert would be a good guess. But if you're buying a Ram jersey, you're buying an Aaron Donald That's jersey. That's true, yes. you know, You're not going to buy a Matthew Stafford jersey.
3: Number one since August 1st is Josh Allen of the Buffalo Bills.
4: Actually not surprised Bills Mafia rides super deep. But again, I would think so many people already purchased their jerseys last season Mm -hmm. for Josh Allen. That's why I thought it might be someone like Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or Mac Jones, because there's that new rookie wave of people that are scrambling to get their new jerseys, especially with guys like that, that you're pouring a lot of hope into. But. Then you think about it and the unbelievable season that Josh Allen had and just how passionate Bill's mafia is, it makes a lot of sense.
3: Yeah. You know what's interesting about this, and you aren't a numbers person, but no, I am not, no. so many young quarterbacks come into the league with single digit numbers now, and four of these five are double digit numbers. Allen seventeen, Mac mm-hmm. Jones ten, Brady twelve, Mahomes fifteen, Justin Fields wearing number
4: one. That's right.
3: But you've got so many fives and fours running around.
4: What's your favorite quarterback number? You know mine is 13.
3: I would probably go with seven, although 12 has won the most Super Bowls by a mile. Mm-hmm. But I think seven is the best looking quarterback number. Yeah. 17 is really good, too. And I grew up, my introduction to good football was Jim Hartware in 17.
4: So you like a seven in there? Yeah,
3: I do. I'm kind of like Keith Hernandez. Well, <laughs> in that, that, I like seven.
4: Yeah, important. Not, I'm for.
3: not a Cardinal Hall of Famer.
4: No, you're not. No. Uh, Hall of Famer in my book, though, Randy. Oh, thanks. Michelle. You know what? You're a fight Hall of Famer. I've, I don't have
3: my picture up there.
4: Well, you are this the standard that everyone tries to compete against, so you're inherently in a Hall of Fame of your own.
3: That's nice of you to say. It's true.
4: And if you're a Hall you of Fame think. broadcaster.
3: I'm not in any Halls of Fame.
4: You're in my Hall of Fame, Randy.
3: That's the only Hall of Fame that matters to me. <laughs> All right. The Cardinal lineup is out for today's game. Is right. it a 115? Yeah, it is a 115, right?
4: 12.45, I believe, 1245, right? 12.45, okay. Let's triple check. Okay. It is 12-15. 12-15. We were wow. both wrong. Okay. I'm heading down to the ballpark, so I should have known that. Third so, time's a charm. There you go, here Thank Here you.
3: is uh, your lineup. Tommy Edmond leading off, no surprise. Mm-hmm. Goldie back in there again okay. as Two-hole. the first baseman hitting second. Tyler O'Neill fitting in as the number three hitter. Right. Had another good night last night. Wedged right in there. uh Nolan Aranato is your third baseman.
4: I like that they're putting Tyler O'Neill in between the two of them.
3: I do, too. I think Set him up for hit. success. Right. Dylan Carlson hitting fifth and playing center fields today. Okay. Lars Newtbar is your right fielder. Mm-hmm. You've got Paul DeYoung at shortstop. Where's Who's my center field? Oh, Carlson in center. Uh, Newtbar in right. Okay. O'Neill and left. Okay. Right, right. So uh, you're number six hitter, New Barn, right. Number seven, DeYoung, back in there at shortstop. So
4: Harrison Bader, day off.
3: Right. Uh, Andrew Kisner is behind the plate, day game after a night game. Hmm. And Jake Woodford is your pitcher.
4: How do you feel about Andrew Kisner getting the tap in? I
3: think it's great. Uh, To me, the way the Cardinals should set it up is like the Giants have set it up. There are no there are no catchers in Major League Baseball except for Yachty that play every day. And the way this should be set up is that Yachty plays every, or Yadi plays three out of every four, maybe? Yeah, sure. So Kisner should get lots of opportunities.
4: From a load management standpoint, I certainly understand the logic, but I'm also looking at this as a must win game. How great would it be if you could split with the Dodgers? The Cardinals are still in a playoff chase here. And as much as I would like Yadi to get a breather every now and again, I would want to put my best lineup out there in hopes that I could split this series with the Dodgers.
3: I want my best lineup to be able to play in October. And I don't think if Yadi or Molina is playing too much that you can have your best lineup in October. But
4: we're trying to get to October. Yeah. We're trying to get there.
3: Right. Well, that's why you have backups. Yeah. You got to, at some point, the backup's got to play.
4: And that's no disrespect to Andrew Kissner, I'm just saying today, I, I might've kept Yadi in there because yeah. you know he wants to play. After last night, too? Yep. Rolling? Yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I I might have made yeah. a different decision there. Good
3: for them. Great show, Michelle. Thank you.
4: You got it, Randy. See, oh, I will not see you tomorrow. No, I'm
3: out tomorrow. That's right. Cardinal so I, Glennon uh, Golf Tournament.
4: Well, I will see you tomorrow because I will see you at the ballpark.
3: Yes, we will be there.
4: For Adam Wainwright. Yep. Sign up for his fantasy football league at Big League Impact.
3: Emily Butcher, our producer-engineer, thank you. Thank you. And thanks to you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for everybody. Until tomorrow morning at 7, have a great day, St. Louis. That was the Carriker
1: and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.
11: Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama.